Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by State Farm. Just like football, life can be unpredictable. That's why State Farm agents are there to help with over 19,000 agents. A local State Farm agent could be just around the block, whether you talk in person, by phone, or through the app. State Farm is there. Go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. State Farm, talk to an agent today. Meanwhile, see Hollywood's biggest stars, Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a movie so good, we actually once did a podcast about it on this podcast. Time Magazine says they're marvelous together, DiCaprio and Pitt. Now with over 20 minutes of additional scenes and exclusive access to the set, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, watch it now on digital, on Blu-ray, on Tuesday. And we should mention things that came out this week. My friend Jimmy Kimmel, my old boss, he wrote a book called The Serious Goose, a children's book that he wrote inspired by his relationship with his daughter. And it's really good. You can get it for the holidays for whoever you care about. All the proceeds from it go to uh, children's hospitals. So there you go. The Serious Goose. Don't forget about the Book of Basketball podcast. We did Dirk Nowitzki this week. And we have uh, another podcast related to Dirk coming next week. The Rewatchables. Happy Gilmore is next week. Be ready for that one. Coming up, we have a hodgepodge of stuff. NBA, NFL, whole bunch of things with Kevin Clark, Kevin O'Connor, and Mallory Rubin. Here's Pearl Jam. All right, the Kevins are here. Kevin Clark, Kevin O'Connor. Tom Curran had a piece today about the last days of Brady. I think that was the headline, wasn't it, KSA? Mm, it was. It worried me because Tom Curran is a very good reporter. Plugged in. He's plugged in with the Patriots franchise, and he's also the type of person who would make fun of this piece. It's very if somebody right. else wrote it and it wasn't sourced and it was just a full of shit, somebody starting a trouble piece. This was not that. This was a, I have put together this giant board, like the Zodiac killer, trying to figure out the answer to something. <laughs> and here are the 20 reasons I think this is probably bad and he's leaving. Um, I'll start with you, Kevin Clark. What was your reaction when you read this? Everything in the piece made sense. Things like the agreement that was signed in August means Brady can't be franchise tag after this season. The fact that Kern made this point that after the season, are the Patriots really going to ante up for a 42-year-old quarterback? That's really not what the Patriots do. I think that the Brady wants them to ante up. I think he wants to get paid. And I think that the agreement in August was kind of weird in that regard. He gets a raise, but the, it voids after one year. And so I think that it is I, – I am with current. It makes sense that this could be the end. Kevin O'Connor. My reaction was identical, that Tom Curran is a guy who's always been a measured reporter, and he's been somebody who has laughed at reports like this in the past, and now he's the guy writing it. So it's something to take seriously, whether you're a Patriots fan or not, that maybe this is the end for Brady, but whether he leaves or retires, that would be my question here, because it's right to say, will the Patriots pay him the dollars and the money that he wants? I don't know. I Probably not. But would Brady get that elsewhere? 
has Brady dipped in production to a point where he may not get that money in a city where he's like, you know what? I don't want to move my family here. I don't want to move here. I'll just retire. Can I say one thing? It's amazing that we're having long-term discussions about the future of a 42-year-old quarterback. (laughs) It's amazing that he is is 42 years old and we're sitting around saying, is this the, is this could be the end of his Patriots career, but where does he go next? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's remarkable in and of itself. I think Kevin, that from a NFL teams don't necessarily do this a lot, but I think that if you're the chargers and you're moving into a stadium and you've sold 25,000 season tickets and absolutely nobody, if we walk down the street right now and ask 20 people who wear the chargers play, (laughs) I'm not totally sure they, they would like the results (laughs) of that. If you godfather (laughs) offer Tom Brady, and you say sixty million for two years. You sell tickets. He gets to live in California. He likes he likes the West Coast. I'm not saying it's perfect. It's not a football decision at all. But I guarantee you, they'd sell more than twenty five thousand season tickets. And this was a team a couple of weeks ago. Everybody was like, "Oh, they should move to London." <laughs> right? Okay. So once that happens, you need something drastic. So if if he becomes a free agent, if I'm the Chargers, I do everything I can to get Tom Brady. This is the most mm. upset I've ever I heard Kyle or Defy. Kyle's this. groaning Kyle's like he's getting a parking thing. ticket. He's like, ugh. Kyle, uh. Kyle's just stopped recording two minutes ago. So <laughs> I think I think there's smoke and fire here. Mm-hmm. I still don't know what the fuck happened with that Garoppolo story two years ago and all that stuff yeah. and how much was true and not true. The the putting the house on the market right after he signed the contract was just a weird flex. And he he's smart enough to know that people are going to notice shit like that. But the thing that really was alarming to me was the Antonio Brown stuff. And Which Brady part? really... No, well, I mean, <laughs> all the parts, but Brady's reaction to it. Brady yeah. really pushing for them to kind of work it out and seeming yeah. bummed and making a point of being bummed publicly when it didn't work out because he was telling us these guys kind of suck. Like I'm fucked if yeah. we don't make this work out. I think that was an acknowledgement of who was behind Antonio Brown once that Brown left. I mean, this was not a receiving core that he was all jazzed about. I went to their training camp practices in Detroit, watched them for two days of practice, and I just didn't see a whole lot. And so then when they get Antonio Brown, I say, okay, problem solved. That doesn't work out after one week. And so I think Brady knew that. Brady is probably... He and Peyton Manning are are the two quarterbacks of the last 20 years who trust with their receiver is so much more important than anything else. I've, I've talked before about, you know, the the things that he goes through to earn trust. Brandon LaFell once told me that he used to throw the ball up into the sun before a game in Miami because he wanted the receiver's <laughs> eyes to get used to staring into the sun. Stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Little things like that where a quarterback is going to say, okay, I need to know that they can do this. Aaron Rodgers does a little bit too, where he'll, he'll throw a ball up in the air just to see in practice, just to see if a receiver will come down, with, like intentionally throw a bad pass a little bit. Mahomes does a little bit too. But Brady is the king of that. And I think he looked around, and we talked about this in, in training camp. I think he looked around before Brown and said, I can't trust any of these guys. And I'm not totally sure, with the exception of Edelman, obviously, who, who keeps come back. Um, I'm not sure that that has improved. KOC, watching that Pats game. Brady's been in your whole life. Yes. How old were you when Brady became the QB? Uh, I, I was I was ten years old. Oh my god! And, and, uh, no, sorry, I was eleven years old when when they won their first Super Bowl. In pre-chest hair. Yeah, definitely is. Um, I mean, I still remember John Madden one twenty-one left to go in the game, saying Patriots had kneel the ball right. going overtime. Don't take any risks here because we've had some bad. <laughs> Supporting cast like the 06 Rache- supporting cast Rache- was legendary. Oh my god, Jabar Gaffney, 
Lawrence Maroney, who is an atrocity. There's been some bad supporting cast. And even in those Super Bowl teams, he didn't have the supporting cast that Manning had. I think the time. bummer, I, I, I talked some, about this Sunday night in the pod, but the bummer this time around is they actually spent capital yeah. trying to get him a supporting cast and they just got the wrong rise. They got Sony, 31st pick. They got Nikhil Harry this year, who, whether he's going to be a guy down the road, has not been a guy this year. And then the second round pick for Sanu, who got hurt immediately. That's a lot of capital for three yeah. offensive guys who aren't really helping. Hey, Bill, I'm starting to doubt whether Sony's better than Lamar Jackson, who was picked one spot afterwards. <laughs> Jury's still out. You don't want to you don't want to rush the judgment on this kind of thing. It takes three years. But I mean, uh, honestly, if you had Frank Gore, is it a lot different? It is not. This is why you don't draft a running back in the first round. You know what's bad with Sony more about and, me. and one that he's a good pass protect blocker. Yeah. Well, it's like oh, great. Well, so's Frank Gore. He's a hundred. And Michelle had the injury concerns as well. Right, the knee stuff. Yeah, the cartilage stuff, which has already popped yeah. up in his career. So KOC, when you see Brady, you've watched Brady's been in your life your whole life. When you see Brady's body language in that Houston game. And Houston's not even that good. That was the frustrating thing about that oh, game. Yelling about Dorsett. And yeah, and guys that. in the wrong spots and him thinking somebody's going to do a, a stop and go, but they just that stopped. That was the Dorsett play, right? Oh, yeah. well, then there was one for uh, Jacoby Byers too. Yeah. And then Harry just quitting on the route and getting beaten by a guy who was much smaller than him, all that stuff. Combined with the fact that the one thing Tom Brady loves more than anything is throwing to a tight end. And they were like... Here are tight ends this year. Yeah. Joe Schmo, John yeah. Schmuck, ben, ben Watson. and Bob Dickman. <laughs> ben Watson. And we, oh, we got Ben Watson back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the guy who back, sucked yeah. 10 years ago for you. And couldn't make the roster of two months ago. Yeah. So Tom Curran pointed this out. The only investment they've made is drafting Ryan Izzo two years ago in the seventh round. So they had Gronk. Gronk retires, and they did almost no problem solving there. Listen. Bill well, Belichick and Tom no Brady. No problem solving with like, could have traded for Kyle Rudolph when he was getting right. floated around there. Didn't do that. Didn't sign any free agents. Uh, Dawson I, Knox, they could have taken instead of uh, Damian Harris, who mm -hmm, doesn't play. Mm -hmm. et cetera, so they et cetera. didn't invest in tight end though, but they, like you guys just mentioned, they invested elsewhere. The The, the Patriots roster has always evolved. The only thing they've yeah. ever really had was a, a running back who catches passes out of the backfield, whether it was Falk or Danny Woodhead, James White. James They've White, changed yeah. their offense. They weren't a two tight end offense before Aaron Hernandez and Gronk. They changed to that. Right. And then they became a tight end offense because they had the GOAT tight end and Gronk. And I think they probably viewed the next evolution as something without a tight end. It just hasn't worked out. Yeah, no, listen, I, I think they were going to go heavy this year with heavy personnel, try to use a fullback in James Devlin. I think that injury mattered. I think that they thought mm -hmm. that they could have more of a heavy personnel scheme this year. It just hasn't worked for them. If yeah. they, now their offensive line is banged up. I just think that there's they are the best problem solvers in the history of the sport. And I think that they saw the 2019 roster on the offensive side as a problem they could solve. And I think Antonio Brown helped in that regard for exactly nine days. But I think that... Um, Unless okay they thought they were part? getting him for six months. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that they... I still defer to them, and I think that they have the capability to figure it out. I think there's a couple of worrying things. First of all, I saw this down on Probable Reference. His Brady's yards after catch this year are down a full yard. Okay, so there's, he's not getting a lot of help there. I saw there was a good stat in USA Today today uh, that on his quick throws, just his quick throws, that his passer rating has dipped 10 points just from last year to this year. Okay, Brady's quick throws. And I think that at some point you start looking around, and I don't know – how they solve this. I just don't know. You can't dink and dunk at this point. You can't go heavy. They've tried that. It hasn't worked yet. Maybe you do more heavy and then try to pass out of it with the play action. And maybe there's, there's going to be some success there, but I, 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 they are so much smarter than me. I assume they'll figure it out. 
But I think that the thing I always come back to with the Patriots is they operate like a casino, right? Like little edges and uh, and position groups. And okay, they'll rob Peter to pay Paul. We're not gonna we're not gonna have a good receiving core, but we'll have X, Y, and Z, right? That they always do that. The problem is in this all-in era of football where there's just mega teams who are good at everything. I think it's harder for them to operate like that. And that's why I think, you know, I saw um, pro football, uh, excuse me, uh, football outsiders that the Ravens are the top DVOA team since 2007 Patriots. I saw that. If you're a team that's just trying to be good enough to be a contender like the Patriots are right now, I think that there's that you might be running into a bit of a buzzsaw in the playoffs. Hench, my buddy Hench, who's always guys following, he sent me that text Sunday night and it was just like, we're going to get fucking annihilated in the playoffs. This sucks. I'm like, I'm not there yet. I, mean, I still hope we're going to figure it out. But I'm not. I'm with either. you no. that nobody's open. And on top of that, he can't, he doesn't move around the same way he did 10 years ago. Come on. He had that pass last week stepping up into the pocket. No, I know. Deep, I'm just saying. the game. Come on. Like, those stats are nice. But <laughs> yes, QBR, QBR, like, and like same thing in the NBA. Some of these single number stats, I don't give a shit. It's like. With with Brady, I would care about has his packing accuracy dipped? No. Has his ability to step into the pocket dip? No. It's the receivers that stink. And that's why his numbers are down. It's the offensive line that's been hurt. That's why his numbers are down. Brady is still this an is elite great. quarterback. I love this. That hasn't changed. I, I I want in NBA and NFL, I want process focused stats looking at what did a player do to set his team up for success or failure? Mm-hmm. Not results based because sometimes the result is out of the control of the player as soon as so we had that like, like adjusted completes percentage is like that where you factor with accuracy in with yeah. accuracy exactly yeah. and I, I still don't think Brady is is himself in that regard I still think I think it's a really good thing it's a nice problem to have that Brady and the offense if there's a problem with the Patriots is the problem because they will figure that out. I'd much rather, if, if I was Bill Belichick, I'd much rather have Brady be the problem because he will eventually sort it out than if there was a defensive problem or something like that. And so I think it's, an, again, it's a nice problem to have if the, the greatest quarterback in history is your your weak link. Okay, I mean, You can win the Super Bowl <laughs> like that. You can win the Super Bowl like that. Like so Peyton Manning winning. I think that Belichick will have... Listen, they play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Peyton Manning is a great example. Like, you he made like three throws in the Super Bowl and they won. But I think Brady, part of Brady's problem is I'm not fucking Peyton Manning in 2015. I'm better than that. Get me right. some help. He is right. And so I think that generally, listen, the Patriots play better situational football than any team in the history of of the sport. And they will. It, all of this comes down to we can do all the complaining we want about the Patriots' offense. It's going to come down to four or five plays against Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson where they're able to stop them. Just like last year's AFC Championship game, it's going to be close late, and it's going to come down to a handful of like J.C. Jackson plays. Okay? Here's here's the problem because I've heard this theory, and I agree with it. It's not the typical Patriots team this year for a couple different reasons. The special teams isn't good this year. If bad kicker. We've never had a bad kicker ever. Now we actually have a bad kicker. Boy, is it shocking to go from Vinatieri to Guskowski to this this rubbish. So in a three-point game, suddenly we're at a disadvantage where it was at an advantage. We have bad returners. Like Sanu fair catching punts on the five-yard line and our kick returners are terrible, stuff like that. Those are the stuff that Baltimore is really good at. So I'm worried about that. Punt team's good, though. Punting's good. That's been the the best. I mean, on both ends. Yeah. Yeah. the real problem, the thing that worries me the most, we always had this kind of the Nas in uh, in Fast and Furious when it was like, you're in a race. It's like, all right, I'll press the button. And it's always there. We always had the Nas button for us 
was Brady, no huddle. Fuck it. Throw everything out. I'm just going to call the plays of the line. All my guys know where to go and what to do. And it's unstoppable. And yeah. that's how they won the Atlanta Super Bowl. They threw everything out. Brady's like, I got this. Or that comeback versus the Saints of the pass of Kendrell Thompson. Yeah. Or, the, or the first half of the Chiefs game when they quickened the pace up and did the whole thing. He can't do that with these guys this year. Especially Sanu just got here. Edelman's getting double teamed. He doesn't have tight ends. Um, if Sony's in the backfield, they can't throw to him at all because he can't catch. So it's James White's the only one they can do that with. And I just don't think they can, they don't have that no huddle button. What do you think with that, Kevin? Yeah, so no huddle is has always been the cheat code for them. And I think the 2012 team, they almost ran the most plays in the history of football. Right. Um, that's how that's how extraordinary. That, that was they the were. year with that Saints comeback, right? 2012? Mm -hmm. That was 2013. 2013. Okay, yeah. That's that was, right. It was yeah. the beginning of 2013. Okay. That was the yep. game where Belichick was like, Jimmy Graham came in with historically good numbers and Belichick said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just shut down Jimmy Graham and he's <laughs> not going to be a factor in this game. That was one of the all-time, because there's been so many great Belichick moments, we forget just some random October games where he's just like, eh, I feel like just taking this guy out of the game. Anyway, um, yeah, so I think that they just don't have the flexibility at their disposal that they have in the past. And that comes down to exactly what you said, trust. Hey, listen, Julian Edelman's still out there. James White can still- Julian Edelman getting double teamed. He's Julian Edelman. He should never be double teamed. I know. Um, I will say that the difference between most Patriots teams and this team is they still do have historically great defense. Let's not forget this point. Let's not gloss over this. This is really important. And if they have the game plan against Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, they can still- win these games. I, I I worry a little bit. I saw a stat yesterday. That Lamar Jackson is, has more carries over 15 miles per hour than anybody in football. He's ahead of Dalvin Cook. He's just, he's just a force. We've never seen anything like Lamar Jackson ever, 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 ever. And so it comes down to Belichick's game plan in, in January. And I think that the offense can get where it needs to be. And I, I don't think, I know that this is, some of this is performative here with the Patriots fandom because I, what, no, you're making me, you're making what's me. What's performative? No, we, I'm saying you're making me defend the Patriots. We Sunday night. You're making, man. But I'm saying that I, I don't want to <laughs> defend the Patriots too much to you <laughs> is what I'm saying, but I will do it. I think the Patriots still have a good chance to, to make the Super Bowl. Yeah. Hell yeah, Kyle! I think Kyle's reaction. back. I, I think I think Kevin's right about the defense. That's been that was the conversation earlier this year. Is people looking at their strength of schedule? They've beaten weaker opponents. No, this defense is actually elite. I saw a it, stat. JC Jackson has a lower catch rate than Stephon Gilmore. We all sit around talking about how great Gilmore is, uh, and he is. Yeah, but JC Jackson's just as good. Jonathan Jones was so good last year in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. They have a secondary that's just awesome. Bill, can I ask you a question? Chris Ryan and I were talking yesterday about the Eagles. And he was subscribing to the five-year rule of, of the Bill Simmons five-year rule of grace period after uh, a title. Uh, where are you now <laughs> on the five-year grace period? Having invented it, where are we with the Patriots? Um, to me, it's more about I want Brady to retire as a Patriot, and that's all I care okay. about. And I don't want this season to go so badly that he's on Tennessee next year or Denver or <laughs> some God, fucking team. Tennessee's like, got Ryan Tannehill. They're spoken for him, Whatever. It it's like, to my stomach well, I, saw, I was watching first take today oh. and Stephen A is like, I could see him going to Tennessee with oh. Mike Vrabel. Oh. They used to play together and I'm like, what's oh. going on? Why is this a topic right now? Uh, I'm, oh. The Chargers thing makes somewhat sense to me. I think the only way he would go is if he just wanted to be like, you know what? I can still sling it 
And I haven't been on a team in a couple years that allowed me to sling it. I want to play with like a DeAndre Hopkins yeah. type of guy, or I want to play with, I don't know, the Keenan Allen or anybody that can just get open. I want to play with an awesome tight end. I want to be in Carolina system and play <laughs> with Christian McCaffrey and their receivers. Whatever he ends up with mentally, where he's just like, Belichick fucked me the last couple of years because I really do think he kind of feels <laughs> that way. Fuck, getting fucked going to two Super Bowls in a row. No, but I'm saying like, I, I think he's probably thinking like, I'm getting blamed sure. for all this stuff. But I, I didn't I, sign these guys. And maybe, maybe that's where he is mentally. But, I don't I know. Mean, that's sort of the, the funny thing about it is like, you, you're right. You're, you're get, you feel like you're getting fucked even though you're having all the success because that's right. where the bar is for the New England Patriots. Well, he's the greatest quarterback of all yeah, time. Of and he's probably like, why are we spending money on defense? Why aren't we spending money on offense? Why do I have to play with Marshall Newhouse for eight weeks? We, I thought we drafted a third and a fourth round offensive lineman. Why aren't either of them playing? What, why did we use the 87th pick on a four-string running back? Like, he's probably at home thinking about this stuff. Yeah, I mean, the rookie, the rookie problem is bad. They are 31st in the NFL in the percentage of their cap tied up in rookie contracts. Only the Vikings are worse. Oof, they wow. are number one in what's called low contracts. This is from Over the Cap, um, who do a great job. But they're number one in what's called low veteran contracts, which you, you know what those are, like $2 million guys who, yep. who, they, who they get off the scrap heap. A lot of trades, we've seen that so much. And, you know, listen, not everybody's going to be Jamie Collins where they're going to come back and play defensive player of the year level, but I think those trades have been beneficial generally. Let me ask you, Bill, you said you care so much about Brady retiring a Patriot. Would you, if the deal is Brady retires after 2020, but they go eight and eight next year with Brady as a quarterback, do you take the deal? Or, or in 2020, he goes and plays for Denver. I can't conceive of going eight and eight. No, but I'm just saying this is the deal. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is the deal. Or he Does goes he and plays a couple in, games in, or something? in the Chargers. He goes to play for the Chargers like a, in 2020. If Larry Baird had played two years with the Dallas Mavericks yeah. in 93, 94, that would have fucking sucked. No, but that's the hypothetical I'm giving. I'm not saying, I think that Tom Brady's never going to go eight and eight. But what I'm saying is, is that would you give up a little bit of success is if to keep Tom Brady for two more no. years? So, so I'm the 2014 Lakers? No, thanks. I, I'd want to keep Tom just, Brady and win with him. Okay. But at some point, if he's 44 or 45, at some point he's not playing like the greatest quarterback of all time. At some point. I personally do not think he would leave the Patriots to go play for some rando team. Okay. Like, I, I think it would have to be like the Chargers, yeah. and, but we're also, not only are we getting you, but we're also going to do this, 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 and this, and you're going to have an awesome offense for two years, and you get to pick your coach. Or like, oh. I don't know, the Jets. Not that they what? would get rid of Darnold, but a team like a New York. New York oh, is a okay. city. L.A. is a city. The Bears. He's in Chicago. I don't see him going to some small yeah. market place. I, I see him going that. to like a famous franchise or yeah. a famous well, he city. He grew up in San Francisco as Niners fan, but unfortunately Garoppolo has, and, has and taken that, that That's position. why the Chargers idea makes some sense for him. Going to L.A. Yeah, but nobody cares the Chargers. Yeah, I know. I know, but like a big city at least. Yeah. Um, I think here's one thing I think, and I, I don't have any information on this particular subject, but the talk for the past decade plus has been who's really responsible for New England, Brady or Belichick. And I wonder if with his slightly diminished capacity to play like an elite quarterback, if Brady doesn't want to go somewhere else, because if he fails there, people might say, oh, well, it was Belichick the entire time. Right. Well, I and, just, and, and that's, him failing somewhere like the Chargers at, at age 44, it would, would still be considered. Uh, well, I think uh, from it, what I know about Brady, though, I think he's just thinking about the next one. 
I and not thinking about the past. Uh, that's always, so it's always like, his response. What's your favorite just, Super Bowl? Where can one? I win my next Super Bowl is how he thinks. The thing is, is that's why I wonder, like, how is retirement a stronger option than maybe we're considering? Because for him, for him, does he review these other options, these teams that are offering him a lot of money for a one or two year deal and think, you know what? The risk in me going here, you know, moving my life out here, playing for a team that's probably not better than the team I'm currently on, it's not worth it. I'm just going to retire. I feel like that's a stronger possibility than we're talking about. What is he doing post-playing career? I mean, he's wearing Joe Pesci's wig from my cousin Vinny right now in these <laughs> games, so I'm prepared for anything with the guy. <laughs> what happened to his hair? I don't understand it. Looks good. Looks good. Looks better than a than him balding. <laughs> this seems like a Jason Witten thing, and in five years, you can be totally bald. So we have no <laughs> idea what happened. What, what happened? Uh, one thing I wanted to mention with um, just the drafts for a second. Yeah, the whole concept, which we've we've written about and talked about a million times in the Ringer, but if you don't do well for a couple of drafts, yeah. how much that can impact you? And you wrote a piece, I think it was last year, about the Pats have lived on those five to eight million dollar guys. And Absolutely. they've exploited that better than any team in the league. But no far. one else was doing that. By far. They had like double the amount of guys making that that salary cap. But when you're states. not hitting on your first and second round yep. picks, and this is what happened to them in in 08, 09, 2010, where they had a couple of bad drafts and they really paid for it. Um their last four second round picks are Juwan Williams, Duke Dawson, Cyrus Jones, and Jordan Richards. Yep. None of those guys play. The, the pick before that was Garoppolo, who they traded. The last four first-round picks, Nikhil Harry, Isaiah Wynn, who I think is really good. I'm glad he's finally healthy. I agree. Sony Michelle, I think that was a whiff. And then Malcolm Brown, who's already gone. Dominique Easley. Those are the last five first-round picks. I think it's just really hard to succeed over long stretches of time if you're not nailing like 50% of those top two rounds, right? Yeah. So over the cap did a study last year where they looked at the previous – 2015 to 2018 drafts, right? Yeah. And the Patriots were bottom five in players who were still on the roster at that point. Oof. And part of that is humility. Bill Belichick will cut a guy if if he doesn't, he doesn't care. perform. He yeah. does not care if he's a first-round pick, a second-round pick. He will just move on from guys. But I think the problem with the last couple of years has been just the amount of guys who have just been complete zeros. Duke Dawson, Antonio Garcia, you know, Cyrus Jones, you know, played a little bit, but just what the he hell? He finally did he, something good for us in the Baltimore game. Yeah, he, and, but yeah. like that stunk, was stunk for the Patriots. Yeah, and so mm. that was just the, the, you get no value from those guys, and that was what was surprising to me over the past couple of years is just the amount of guys who are just complete washes. And look, they've had concentrations of drafts where it's like they hit on one draft and they're able to sustain for a couple of years. You know, they yep. took Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower in the same draft in 2012. Um, you know, Trey Flowers and Shaq Mason in 2015. That kind of thing where they they have... Belichick hasn't always been a great drafter. He's a better coach than drafter. But he's been able to have the drafts that have sustained this run and he's been augmenting that. And I think that the the trades, the pick for, tra- uh, pick for players thing that he's gotten really good at the last couple of years has helped a little bit. That's the reason the number one in, in low veteran contracts. But I just, it, right now, they have just not hit on some of their big swings. That's he's good at stealing unappreciated guys from other teams and putting them in Look a Look at Trent Brown succeed. last year. Trent yeah. Brown comes in. Nobody Van cares. Noy. For, yeah, Van Noy. I mean, Jamie, Jamie Collins is one of the best moves of the decade in general. You, you draft yeah, him. The, the whole arc of it. You yeah. draft him. <laughs> You let him play like one of the best defensive players in football. You let you get a second round pick for him. You get Cleveland to give him twenty eight million dollars, who so he's content. 
for a couple of years. He plays like crap in Cleveland. You get him back on a veteran minimum deal, and he's back to playing Defensive Player of the Year. That is the absolute Belichick value arc. It, it, is, is there a parallel for that? Is, has that happened in NBA, NFL? No, it happens like with Belichick it's happen all again the time. with Kyle Van Noy <laughs> yeah. when he leaves this winter and then comes back three years from now. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what the, as well. the most underrated moment of the Patriots decade was, other than our tight end being a serial killer? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, he was. He, he was. killed multiple people. That. He makes did. you a serial killer, right? If you've killed more than one person, you're a serial killer. Um, but the most under anyway, the most <laughs> under <laughs> the most underrated moment. Julian Edelman almost went to Jacksonville. They were offering yeah. him more money. Devin McCourty, too. Yeah. But Julian Edelman, if he goes to Jacksonville and they had no real way to replace him, I don't even know who the receiver is, but I, I don't know if they win any of the three Super Bowls without him. Ooh. Maybe they win last year's without him. Maybe. I don't know. Devin McCourty also turned out more of money from Jacksonville. Jacksonville is just a, a really tragic character in this, but then, <laughs> in this Patriots But then saga. flipping it the other way, the Adam Humphreys. Yeah. Where he decides to go to Tennessee, and now he's finally starting to come on because Tannehill has, has been playing better. But that's a guy I think they were counting on, too, last week. They thought they were getting him. Who was the other guy they thought they were going to get? They, they came up short on two free agents that they went in on. thought there was a second guy. It was Humphreys. I don't know. Not sure. And then they tried they to get Trey Flowers. They tried to get Kyle Rudolph, and then mm-hmm. Minnesota ended up keeping him. Mm-hmm. Try to do. Do we think they tried to get AJ Green? Don't know the answer. Don't know the answer. That was one of those things that, that everyone was saying made sense, and then we just. Don't, I don't think the Bengals probably made a call him. at least. Well, then he got hurt, and then yeah. and now he's just All right, not, what's not usual. Not we got to go. So let's do this quick. How far do the Pats go in the playoffs? If you gun to your head right now, AFC Championship loss, winning Kevin? the Super Bowl. Number seven, Brady retires after the season. I think they, right now I'm in the lose to Baltimore mode, but I think. Close, but close. By January, I'll be back and we're the fucking Patriots. We've got this. Um, Where's Brady playing next year? Gut gut reaction. I think he plays one more year in New England. Kevin? Uh, I mean, I, I think Tommy Brady will retire after winning a seventh Super Bowl and retire on top. What about you? I have this terrible feeling he's going to leave. Where? I don't know, but I just feel like I don't like anything that's happened. And the fact that Curran wrote that, wrote that piece. Made I me agree nervous. with that. Curran does not throw stuff against a no. wall. No. And just people I've talked to, I know some people. I just, in general, <laughs> I, I, I don't like where this is headed and dating back to the Garoppolo stuff two years ago. Yeah. And it just, when you think about it, he's been with Belichick 20 years. Mm-hmm. And at some point, if you're not married to somebody, at some point, anyone you're with 20 years, they're going to start to annoy you. If Kyle's still in that chair 20 years from now, shoot I guarantee me. he's not going to, yeah, shoot me. See, that's what you said. He wants to be shot if he's in that chair 20 years from now. Imagine how Brady feels with Belichick. Belichick's like, really? Fucking your son's our defensive coordinator? What the fuck? Can you, can you get him a haircut at least? I think that's where he's been. Do you think Kevin O'Connor had me with a theory that Steve Belichick is the is the heir apparent. <laughs> Do you agree with this? I'm serious. I just, like six, seven years from now. He needs an extreme makeover. McDan- McDaniels gets a new gig at some point before then. Is yeah. it Mayo or is it young Belichick? I think Brian Flores comes back. I'm in on Brian Flores. I love yeah. that Eagles game he coached last week. I love when you suck and you're just like, you know what? 
we're doing this weird formation, going for the two point. We're kick. We're starting the third quarter with an onside kick. Like that's the shit you should do when yeah. you suck. They abandon the tank. Yeah, because he's too it's good great. of a coach. It's he's awesome. too good of a coach. It's awesome. He was awesome last year. I love that every owner was like, "Let's hire one of Sean McVay's friends." And then Brian <laughs> Flores was like, "Actually, I'm. I might be." Brian Flores <laughs> three points in the Super Bowl, and everybody's like, "Hey, is who? Who else is there?" Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, classic. Mm. All right, Kevin Clark, you're coming back to do million dollar picks in a second. I'm tired. Uh, NBA with KOC right now. First, we'll take a break. Hey, we all enjoy giving the perfect gifts to everyone on our list. None of us wants to give gifts to cyber criminals. I know I don't. That's what you could be doing if you're using unsecure Wi-Fi, even if it's password protected. Cyber criminals can watch your activity and steal information you send and receive on Wi-Fi, your credit card info, address, other financial info. So this holiday season, help keep your personal info in and prying eyes out of your Wi-Fi connections with Norton Secure VPN. They use bank-grade encryption to help secure your connections and block cyber criminals from seeing what you're doing. They block companies from tracking your online activity, block ads that seem to follow you on the internet. Norton Secure VPN masks your online activities and location with a no-log VPN, making your online activity truly private. When you're shopping online this holiday season, don't give an extra gift to cyber criminals. Get Norton Secure VPN for as low as $3.33 a month for the first year of the annual subscription. Go to norton.com slash VPN Simmons. Terms apply. All right, let's uh, let's bring in Kevin O'Connor by himself here. All right, now we're here with just Kevin O'Connor. So I figured once a month for the rest of our lives, we would just take a victory lap of Luka Doncic. <laughs> I'm down. Just like maybe like I'm middle down. of the month, yeah. early in the middle of the month each month, we just do it. Um, I do feel bad for Trey Young. And I don't, I think he's an unwitting victim in this. And he got mad this week because people kept asking him the question. And I don't think he's realized yet that this is just going to be a part of the rest of his life. Like he can have his own career and hopefully <laughs> it'll be really great. I like watching him. But the Luca thing's just gonna be part of his career, and that's just the way it is. It's just unfortunate that for Trey, he's attached in a trade to a guy who's having one of the greatest second years ever and has a chance to be one of the greatest players ever far down the line. Yeah, certainly one of the best offensive players ever. The Luca rebounding is the thing that's he had 18 rebounds. Mm. He's more Larry Birdish than I think people realize, especially if you go to the early first four or five years of Bird's career, where Bird could affect games in all these different ways. It was funny watching him last night against Minnesota. Covington's been really good this year. And I wonder when I think about trade pieces, that's somebody that I think, you know, you saw Jeremy Grant went for a first round pick before the season. And he's probably a better version of what a lot mm -hmm. of the stuff Jeremy Grant can bring. I'll be really interested to see if they blow it up what they do, and if that's a guy somebody really tries to target. Because you have these teams that have these war chests of picks. Celtics have this Memphis pick. Yep. If they feel like they're close and they have a chance to make a finals, and this the draft this year sucks, they might flip that pick this year yeah. if they feel like it's somebody good. Not for sure. Covington, but for or, somebody. Or even like a, a Bertans on Washington if, if a team wants somebody who can shoot the lights out and can at least you know be play good positional defense. But you mentioned the bird thing. I have to ask, is my Luka legend... Nickname for Luca appropriate? Is it too soon? I have to ask you. Luca Legend's pretty good. We maybe it's the Slovenian term for legend. I <laughs> the one of the great things about Luca is he doesn't really need a nickname. It's like LeBron, right? Yeah, he has name. such a distinctive name. But you know, the, with the Trey Young thing, 
I do think the Hawks are doing a disservice in this respect. Like they've built a team that is just around him getting stats. And the team's not successful. Sure. Part of that has to do with John Collins just left, but they lost 10 straight. They're five and 17. And you have a game like last night where they lose by 12, but Trey is a 30-10. And it's like, great, another great Trey Young game. And it's like, not really. They, they're, they're losing all these games. And he's, I think, 34 and 70 in his career. And I do think, I do worry that the Luka trade has backfired on them so the response is partly let's get the, let's build sure. everything around this guy, get him stats because at least we can point to the stats. I don't know if that's going to lead to yeah. wins. I, I think with Trey, one of the reasons why I like Trey as a prospect, I didn't love him because of his potential limitations as a smaller point guard, how that would impact him on the defensive end, and never mind the fact that as good as his shot looks, the percentages were not always there. Yeah. So I always had some questions about Trey, but the way to build around him is what they've done though. With DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter and then rim runners like John Collins and now they're using Jabari Parker in a rim running role. This is, is that, how is that a good thing though? Well, I mean, this is the way you sort of had to build around Trey Young on the offensive end, and then you have to protect him defensively too with all these long defenders. So this is what you have to do when Trey's your star player. I think for Atlanta, ideally at some point, either Herter or they find another guy that can be a secondary playmaker for them. That way you can really show what Trey can do off ball, use him more off screen, show some of that IQ and give him rest. Because right now it is all him. I guess my fear is he's not Lamar Jackson. Like when the Ravens go on on Lamar Jackson, they're saying, this guy is, we think this guy is a transcendent talent. We've seen it in practice every day. And if we build the right team around him, we have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Well, they think he is. Because that, otherwise they don't do that Luka Doncic trade. But I I just think that's a mistake. I don't think he's that type of player. I, I just don't. don't. And he, I think defensively, he's a real liability. Well, that, that's my long-term concern. I mean, we're far far away from talking about, oh, how does Trey Young's defense impact the Hawks' playoff hopes? We're, we're not even close to that. But someday that will be a discussion. And it will be for Luka, too. It's just Luka's bigger, and he's better positionally, and can he, he can hold his own, and he's a great rebounder. And Luka, he gets steals. Uh, and he gets steals, yeah. I think Trey Young is your kind of guy because you love nothing more than good stats, bad teams, no. guys. Those are your guys. No, Devin I, Booker, I, I Zach Levine. I wasn't a, I don't like If Zach. you were a GM, you'd be getting all these guys. I had Zach Levine ranked like 37 in his draft, which was way too low, by the way. I made a mistake there. I still don't like him. If as you're a player. GM, you're just getting stats, guys. Nah, I, look at, look I, at all these 25 point scores. I, I have. love Booker. Young, I didn't love him in the draft. And I like, look, I, Young is a guy that I think. He, you're right that he needs to have somebody else by his side. He needs another Batman. I'm not sure he's the Batman. He's one of the Batmans on this team. Mm, right. <laughs> but with Trey, like, he's a scorer and a playmaker, but he needs somebody in that backcourt who can protect him on the defensive end and compliment him and really showcase some of the stuff he can do off ball. Um, I want to talk about trades. But before we do that, just quickly on that 2019 draft, because you mentioned the mm-hmm. two guys they got. I don't really love either of those guys yet. I don't love this draft. John Hollinger wrote a piece today about how this draft was a disaster. It's early. There were a lot of young guys in it. On the other hand, it's certainly not encouraging so far. Are there four guys that you're in love with at this point? Yeah, I, uh, I listed out before we recorded rookies performing well. Okay. PJ Washington, 12th yeah. pick. So he's been the biggest yeah. surprise, yeah. I would say. Tyler Hero, 13th pick. Well, you know, you know yeah. how I feel about Matisse Tyler. Matisse Thibel, 20th pick to Philly. Brandon Clark, 21st to Memphis. That's 
pretty much it of the first rounders. A lot of the top. 10. Well, so think about I mean, that. All Jean those guys, all those guys you listed were not in the top ten, right? Of course. Was PJ PJ Washington was even what was he twelve? He was twelve. Yeah. Ja Morant in the top ten. Ja at two has performed well. Other than that, I mean, as Hollinger just he ripped Darius Garland in his piece. I mean, he has not been good this year. Jarrett Culver in Minnesota has not been good either. Been a little bit better since moving to the starting line. And they moved up for him. They did. They and, did eleven in Sarich, although Sarich it, is it's like Culver, you're not giving up on him. He's somebody who was a no. late bloomer in high school. He didn't really emerge until his second season at Texas Tech. He went from a role player to a star in college. And he's a hard worker, a good kid. So I think he's somebody, whatever his max is, he'll get there as a player. But yeah, the draft has not been super impressive yet. It's still early, though. It's worse than I thought it was going to be. I thought we would you thought strike- guys a pop. Like I thought on? we would strike oil with one of those top six guys other than John Morant and Zion. Like, I, like mm-hmm. oh, oh, Garland is way better than I thought. Yeah. Or I thought we'd have I one of those guys. I thought it might guys. be Garland. Yeah. I said, I said before the season that Garland is like, like a sleeper. Rosilla liked him too. Yeah. yeah. I, I still like him. He can shoot. It's just right now, the problem with Garland is he can't defend and he can't finish around the rim and he can't draw free throws either. Well, That's and also the the fit with him and Sexton, I'm, I was yeah. unconvinced at the time, and I'm more unconvinced after watching it. At least Sexton's been back to himself on defense. Yeah. Because he was really good in college. I'm just saying, can end. you play yeah. those two together? It's it's a cousin of when they had Kyrie and Deion Waiters together. It's like, eh. Yeah. I'm not I'm, sure I'm, this is a backcourt. How do you feel about Kobe White? Exciting. Explosive. Um, man, he shoots a lot. Yeah. And I, I, I always, you know me, I judge everybody by, would, especially point guards, would they be fun to play with? And it's like, would I have no. fun being on Kobe White's team? Not from what I've seen so far. No. I think, and I think that's one of the problems with that team in general is it's kind of like whoever gets the ball over half court gets to shoot. It's one of those I, teams. I feel like without Zion so far this season, we, like the collective, we, NBA fans, media, all that, have sort of grasped that rookies trying to find somebody to latch on to. First, it's Ja, and then it's Kobe White had a nice stretch in preseason, and then you got Rui Hachimura now, like you have players talking him up and all that. RJ we're, had a couple games RJ where people like, oh, RJ. Moment. Yeah, we, we're, we're looking for somebody to latch on to. It's just nobody's done it. Even Ja Morant, who's been good. I mean, he's should be the guy that people are looking at and are excited about. But in some ways, like you watch Memphis and you you come away more excited by Brandon Clark, right? Who I loved in the draft and yeah. love him even more now, just seeing his game translate. But Thibo you know, Thibo yeah. really hurts because they're starting to play him more. Okay. That was the guy I was just so focused on. But do you think Boston? Well, which teams probably regret their pick the most already? Boston I would say everybody, everybody from fourteen on, right yeah. after Hero. And I think Boston thought they were getting him, and that's why they kind of audible. I think they did too. But I think from that point on, it became a different draft. And what's interesting is I liked a lot of the guys after that hero pick, just not in the order they went. And it reminds me of, what was that draft that had like Ibaka, Batum, George Hill? All those, it was like maybe 2010, something like that? 08, 08, 08 Ibaka. 08, something. Or maybe, I forget. There was one draft where there was like four great picks in a row, 23, 24, 25, 26. Ibaka went 24th, Batum 25th, George Hill 26th, Darrell Arthur 27th. Who went 20, 23rd? Uh, 23rd was uh, Costas Kufis. Oh, I've never given up on him. He's my NBA support group guy. <laughs> I mean, see, I always liked his drop step. He's always getting those seven, $8 million contracts. Sometimes yeah. you have these drafts though. Like the, the 2013 draft, 
And it was like McCollum was 10 and Giannis was 13. Yeah. And those ended up being probably Giannis is one and McCollum or Old Depot's two in that draft. Anthony Bennett going number one still shocking though. When yeah. that happened, I was like, Well, really? it feels like this draft that we're about to have is kind of an Anthony Bennett draft Could where be. we don't even know who the top five is going to be at no. this point. No, we don't. And and this is kind of odd because usually at this point, mid-December, a guy begins to start to emerge. We see somebody like, oh, yeah. Oh, that this, guy. This like John guy. Morant last yeah, year. Like, this, oh, this who's this? Guy. But that has not happened yet. It's very odd. All right. So here's what I got to throw at you. Okay. Oh, I used to mention on the draft, RJ is the one I feel the worst for because to me, that's just a bad situation. Yeah. You go to a team. It's a complete mess. They're going to fire their coach. We just don't know what week it is. You have four point guards. You have seven power forwards. It's not a team built for him to succeed. You no know, it's the complete opposite of what Atlanta tried to do for Trey Young. Yeah. And I I just feel bad for him because I really like his game. And I, I actually think he would have been better off playing with like veterans and guys who actually know what they're doing and where he could have the ball a lot and stuff. And Dennis Smith Jr., who has... Uh, has started to play a little bit more lately. Talk about like a terrible fit with RJ Barrett. Like that's a worst case scenario. I mean, Dennis so. Smith couldn't make it work with Luka Doncic. No. He's not going to make it work no, with No, Dallas Barrett. wanted to get rid of him pretty much immediately when they saw that. All right, so here's what I have to throw you. I'm really excited for this. Was thinking about Chris Paul. Mahoney wrote a good piece today for our, our website about how he's kind of in this NBA purgatory where there's no way to trade for him, basically. He makes $38 million. He's under contract this year and the next two. And he's become this guy that's just kind of like, ah, I guess he's stuck in OKC. Kevin Love, same thing in Cleveland. No secret, Kevin Love wants to get traded. Now, he's prob- mm-hmm. maybe he should have thought about that before he uh, signed the giant deal, but I think he wants to play for a contender. He makes $29 million. Really hard to figure out who the contender is. Like Even when people throw a team like Portland in there, Portland's $12 million over the luxury tax right now. They're, they're not like dying to add Kevin Love. So you have these guys, you have these assets. And the reason I really started thinking about it was Tristan Thompson. Because Tristan Thompson's having a really good year. He makes almost $19 million. He's somebody that would absolutely help a playoff team. But he makes enough money that it's actually like kind of unrealistic he would get traded. And it's actually probably more realistic, as crazy as it sounds, because he's good. I think he's only 28. That he would get bought out. And then somebody would sign him at the end of February because if you're Cleveland, I don't want to take a giant contract back. Now I take an expiring contract back and your shitty pick. I'd rather just buy him out and save four million bucks. The system's kind of broken. And I think the reason it's broken is because we never anticipated the salaries would jump like this. We we didn't know this was going to happen 10 years ago, five years ago, that we'd have guys making $38 million and $34 million, $29 million. We have to fix the trade rule. So here's what I have for you. Why Right now it's what, 75%, 80%? The contracts have to be within 80% of each other, 75%? Uh, it, it varies depending on- It varies, the, but it's, 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 like, no, it's like, not lower it's like than over 75. over 19000000 million, it's 125% or 75% plus 100000 Let's just make it 50%. Hmm. For everything. For everything. Every deal. Every Across deal. the board. So a $2 million contract, you can deal a $1 million contract. Yeah. A $20 million deal, you can do $10 million deal. If I want- if I want uh, Tristan Thompson, if the Celtics want Tristan Thompson, Tice Poirier Langford adds up to like 10.9 million. I wouldn't actually do this trade. I'm just using an yeah. example. 
Right now, you couldn't make that trade. The Celtics have no way to get Tristan Thompson. They'd have to add seven contracts together. It wouldn't make sense. If you made it 50%, now all of a sudden you could have trades like OKC, Chris Paul, Minnesota goes, we'll give you Teague. He's an expiring. He makes 19. We'll throw in one mm. other contract to get to 50%. I'm liking this. And we're done. <laughs> and that's it. Mm. And we and OKC gets to save 19 million. They get way under the luxury tax, all that stuff. And they're super happy. They got rid of Chris Paul. And Minnesota takes a gamble and we're done. So why wouldn't that work? Because in baseball, the Red Sox can trade Mookie Betts to the Dodgers for four prospects. By the way, it will kill my soul when they do it. <laughs> but it's just allowed because in baseball, we figured out how to do this. In football, it's like impossible to trade anybody. But in basketball, it should be easier because we never anticipated these salaries to be this high. All right. It, so it, what's your immediate it, reaction? So it's interesting because so right now with the league rules, like, like I said earlier, for, te- for a salary over $19.6 million, the, the incoming outgoing salary has to be within 125% or 75% plus 100K. Complicated. But with tax paying teams, teams that are already in the tax, every deal is like that. 125% yeah. plus the 100K. It's just flat, no matter what the number is. So I think it does make sense to simplify this type of rule, not to mention the fact that, yes, it's going to lead to more trades, again, driving more interest, giving teams more flexibility. I think it's good for the team side, for the fan side. I wonder, would there be pushback from players and agents or the PA? Would there be pushback from them? Maybe, maybe not, though. But think about who runs the PA. Yeah, well, well, to your point, though, Chris Paul. Yeah. And then you got, have players who want to be able to play for contending teams but can't because of their salary number. This is actually pretty smart, Bill. You, you told me like before we recorded that you you weren't telling me your idea. Yeah, I was, was, was springing on you. And I'm glad you waited because this is actually really, really good. I like it. One of the things when I try hmm. to think of an idea is who's against it and why would they yeah. be against it? All right, so who's against this? Well, if, you know, let's say Miami trades waiters and James Johnson for Chris Paul or whatever it is. And they take on an extra 15 yeah. million in salary and OKC gets to get rid of his contract. Ultimately who's against that? Cause Miami is now a luxury tax team. So all the smaller market teams would be for able to sure. get that. OKC gets to cut this contract that they have no chance of trading. Chris Paul gets a new team. The league's more fun. Mm-hmm. It's like, who's arguing with this? I guess, I guess you could say maybe a contender, you know, like if the Lakers were able to get somebody good and sure. people are like, oh, fuck, that's not fair. Yeah. But that's really the only thing I could see. But I have but, another wrinkle for you. Okay. All right. This is where it gets really okay. good. Okay. <laughs> one time a year, one time in a 12-month cycle, a team can make a trade where it's only 30%. Why is this necessary? It's only 50% is good, Bill. It's we, a one-time one 30%. <laughs> Here's what this opens the door for, though. Mm. Milwaukee trades Ilyasova and Wilson, who make $9.9 million <laughs> combined, for Kevin Love, who makes $29 uh. million. And if you're Cleveland, you're like, great. We, we just cut $20 million off our payroll. And if you're Milwaukee, you're like, great. We're paying the tax, but now we have Kevin Love. And it's a one-time 30% mm. thing. Chris Paul, you want to go to Miami? Miami's offering Deion Waiters, and Kendrick Nunn, and that's it. We're within the 30%. Okay. We'll take on his money. We'll pay the luxury tax with Chris Paul. OKC gets to save a shitload of money. 
So you're out on the 30%. Yeah, I mean- Too crazy. I, I think the 50% is fine. I think for like, you and I may have talked before about Chris Paul from Milwaukee. If you're looking for a team that could potentially want a deal for him, this was before the season. We mentioned why not Milwaukee. I'm not so sure that's the case anymore at 18 and three on pace for 70 plus wins. But yeah, 30% would make it easy to add a little bit to Bledsoe. We have Chris it in Paul. baseball. Does it bother you in baseball? Baseball, no. there's no percentage no. anything. no. So here's what the 30% would allow. Chris Paul to the Lakers for Caldwell oh, Pope and geez. Avery Bradley. Mm, I'm not sure people would love that. So that this is why the 30% can't work. Yeah. Because Keep it at 50. The Lakers could just stack their team with these crazy contracts and just pay the luxury tax. What do they sure. care? They make so much money in gate revenue. It'd be like, fine, we'll pay. What if, what if the, the middle ground here is you get the one 50% trade a year? If that were the rule. And it would have to be the one time for each team? Sure. Like, let, so let's say the NBA is like, Bill, your idea is too extreme. We're not in favor of it. But how about this? One 50% deal a year. My thing is, it would make the league more fun. We'd be wow. talking, you'd get to put yeah. stuff in columns like, yeah. they haven't used their 50% trade yet. <laughs> I'm all for it. I, I'm, I'm all for anything that makes the league more fun. And that's why I also like the midseason tournament and the the playoff plan. I want to talk about that in a second too. Yeah. The the thing is, the thing that's changed fundamentally and why I think this is a good idea is that the league has changed and the salaries are just too high and it's become too hard to make the salaries yeah. work. Like you think about the early 2000s, there were trades all the time with stars that people want to get rid of, right? Steve Francis, Jalen Rose, Stephon Marbury. You could mm -hmm. always like, patch the numbers together because the guys weren't making that much. They were making maybe 18 million. Now we're getting to the 38 million for Chris Paul and 29 million for Kevin Love. And we, I didn't even mention Tobias Harris. He's 34 yeah. already. What happens when Philly is like, fuck, we, maybe we shouldn't have done this. Where do, where, they can't send him anywhere. Sure. And I think that's what's changed. And that's why we need to relax the trade kickers. Uh, how much do you think? So I, I thought about this in regards to the Anthony Davis signing, uh, trade this, this off season, just the, the salary cap gymnastics and, and you, know, yeah. they, you know, that they had to make happen. To Which was absurd. Yeah. Do you think the common fan cares about that or do they not tune in into the point where the deal is done or it's not happening? Do they care about that story leading the up? mechanics? Yeah. I think it gets stupid where they have to basically just give away Mo Wagner to create extra stuff for it. I mean, how many picks did they actually give up for AD? Four? I think it's four, yeah. It's really five because Wagner was a first-round pick the year before. He's been pretty good this year for And he's Wizards. been pretty good. Yeah. And he actually probably would have played for the Lakers. Yeah. I actually like his game. I love I love Mo Wagner. But, um, he's great. But um, <laughs> He loves you too, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, now look. I think 50% just makes more sense anyway because it's easier for everybody to figure out. It's like, what's half of what's sure. half of that number? We just have to get here. Okay, good. And then we're off. Have you have you told anybody in the league office this idea? No, I just or thought this, of it today. This is the first time. It's I thought of it good. today. I, this is how sad my life is. <laughs> um, Wait, this this idea came up today as in like, it came right up now today. We're, we're recording this at 11.53 a.m. I read Mahoney's column about Chris Paul and I was thinking about how weird it is that he's... <laughs> Completely untradeable. Wow. And I was like, man, how do, how would we fix this oh, if so we you, could fix okay. this? So you're like workshopping it on the fly here. I'm workshopping right, on okay. the fly. All right, I like it. The <laughs> playoff tournament or the midseason tournament, which um, you wrote about last week. I did a podcast about, got some good feedback on it. 
And I like that structure you outlined. So, and some of the feedback was really good. So I had the Russell Cup, which was the top Mm -hmm. 14. And then the Chamberlain Cup, which was the bottom 30. (laughs) The Chamberlain Cup's the, the, that's the weakest part of this because people were like, why wouldn't the 14th seed just want to go into the Chamberlain Cup? They could clean up some wins against shitty teams. I'm like, ah, fuck, I didn't think of that. But I think the concept of the top 14 and the whole idea of a point system, I think fans would be able to figure out. And that's been discussed in the past. I just think that's an unassailably good idea if they could figure that out, where it's like you shorten the season, the Clippers go 50 and 22. But if they win the Russell Cup, they get an extra seven sure. or an extra nine or whatever. Do you like that part of the idea? Yeah, uh, I'm in favor of moving towards a a point system. I'm in favor of of those wins being worth extra towards the standings. I think that's a good overall thing if the league can move towards that. One of the things that I've had conversations with the people about is, well, what happens to those teams that lose? Do they get put into a loser's bracket? Or does it turn out that the teams that are advancing are playing four or five more games during the full calendar year before the actual postseason than others? Or do you put those teams into a loser's bracket in which they're playing games that still count towards the regular season record? And and how does that all work with scheduling games and arenas? How does that work with broadcasting right. on local RSNs, but also national as well? From what my understanding is, that's the big hurdle with all of this, is making it work with scheduling with arenas and for TV too. That's why it can't be 30 teams. And that's why it has to be 12 or 14 yep. that we care about. And you get buys for round one and the way I had it structured with the top four team with the top two seeds get buys, I think it's seven games, then it's four, then it's two, then it's one, and it's 14 total. Or six, six four, two, one, 13 total. Uh, a reader emailed me last week, and he, he it's sort of similar to your idea, a little different though. He was like, the, the top four automatically are in the postseason. And then five through eight, choose their opponent for a one-game playoff between 9 to 12. Ooh. And I, I really, really like that idea. Uh, I think something like that would be cool, even if you remove the, the aspect of a team choosing their opponent. But that something like that system or the system you proposed in the pod last week, that would, that would create the meaning in the regular season to get a top four seed, just like you have now in the NFL with the top two seeds getting a bye. Yeah. If you don't have to play in that one-game tournament – you're not load managing your players quite as much. You're not having guys rest. Guys are going harder trying to get that full one, two, three, or four seed in their respective conferences. Well, and that's why I think the hand-in-hand idea with the midseason tournament, which I proposed on the pod Tuesday, is only guaranteeing the first five playoff seeds. Yep. And now you have real weight, not, not just for the Russell sure. Cup or whatever you call it, but it becomes impossible to load manage at that point. You look at the East right now, there's six good teams. The Sixers couldn't be like, ah, oh, we're just going to rest and beat if there was a chance they fell into the play thing. The feedback I got from people within the league, though, the biggest obstacle of the 7, 8, 9, 10 from the owners is... The one that was proposed... That was the one the that article. they've been talking yeah, about okay, for yeah, two okay, years yeah. is the owners were nervous about the 7, 8 teams playing this whole season... 82 games to get in this spot and then they could just lose it in two hours. (laughs) And they were like, well, how does that, why are we rewarding like the tenth seed that could fuck around for an entire season and then all of a sudden turn the switch on for two hours? So I guess one of the things that's been proposed, which I don't know if I've read anywhere, 
was the lower seed would have to win twice. Yeah. Have you heard this one? So the higher well, seed wins once they advance. When I lower seed has to win twice. When I first heard about the idea in August, I was told one of the the ways it was discussed was like the seven would face the ten first. And from there, I got incredibly confused on how exactly it would work. But if the 10 were to win, they would have to play another game to get in versus the 8 or 9. And if the 7 were to win the 7 versus 10 matchup, they would be in automatically. They just win one, they're in. The 10 would have to win two to get in. So I'm thinking if they guarantee the first five and it's 6 versus 11, 7 versus 10, and 8 versus 9, you make it so that 6 and 7 host the home games. And it's basically back-to-back nights. If they take care of business mm-hmm. first, then it's over. They advance. Yeah. If that road team can beat them two nights in a row, then they advance. And they get knocked, and That'd the 6-7 cool. get knocked out. 8-9, I think, is just one game winner takes all home court because those sure. teams are going to be close to each other and wins anyway. But, you well, know. And I think that was that was the wrinkle there. It's like if the 8 beats the 9, then they're automatically in. But if the 9, if the nine beats the 8... And then the eight would face the ten, something like that. Yeah, that gets yeah. too complicated. It gets really complicated. I don't, I don't, I don't that. like that. I'm confused even saying it out loud. The seven, eight, nine, ten that was in the original ESPN article is the one that makes most sense. It's most sensible. The thing is, though, from a revenue standpoint, if you drop to seventy-two games, you had this midseason tournament, even if it's only fourteen teams, and then you had the six playing games, potentially more if there's a, you know, yep. the team wins the first, the lower team wins the first game. That makes up the revenue. That is something they could sell as a package to one of the eight suitors that's out Mm -hmm. there that would make up the five home games that everyone's losing. I had another idea based on that Chamberlain Cup, which I just cannot figure out totally. (laughs) Tell me if you like this. The bottom 16 teams, 24-minute games in the first round. Kyle's laughing. Mm. So you have a situation. Everyone has to play... Four half games, two in one day. <laughs> oh, no. So you have no, hold on. <laughs> two so, in one day? No. Two 24 no. minute games. So you have, you, let's say you have the Hornets, the Magic, yeah. the Wizards, and the Knicks. <laughs> and two of them, two, the Hornets and Knicks play, then the Wizards and Magic play. 24 like, minute game. just comes right back on the court. Other ones yeah. come in, they go. <laughs> the other one's waiting, and then they come in, and it's just these 24 minute <laughs> mini games. Sounds like summer And league. the stats count. I would watch it. I feel like this is something for the NBA to experiment with during summer league first. Before every implementing something, anything close to that. But so, I'm in favor of experimentation. That's why, like, with the midseason tournament, there's been a lot of conversation like, oh, this isn't perfect. You're going to get it. The incentive is right. You know, this isn't going to, what if it doesn't work? Well, so what if it doesn't work? So right. what? It's worth experimenting because we know right now the 82 game regular season doesn't work. So let's try something new and see how that does. And maybe from there you build forward. Maybe you pull the plug on it. But I think the in-season tournament and the play-in tournament are both positive experiments for the league to at least try, hopefully in 21-22. And you and I both agree it should be 82 to 72, however this plays out. Yeah, I mean, 72 is the logical number for the I, league. I don't get the 76. I feel like that's that's the owners being over-nervous about how much revenue they might lose. But, but that's the thing, though. I get starting with 76. Again, because like if 76, you stay there, and then it turns out, well, now we have some teams playing 83 games. It's too many. Maybe four or five, six years from now, then you're like, okay, now we can comfortably move down to 72, knowing the amount of money that's in this tournament or these tournaments if both get approved. What about 
big three rules, first team to 50. <laughs> and then it's like you could potentially play three games in one day. Is this an idea for, for the Chamberlain Cup? Yeah, for the Chamberlain <laughs> Cup. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm not in favor of that. All the bad teams are in Vegas and it's just basketball all day. Mm. No, I mean it'd be fun. It's fun in theory, but uh, if I'm like putting on my Adam Com- Adam Silver Commissioner hat, it's a no. The reality is the Chamberlain yeah. Cup needs to go, and it, it should it be needs to go. the midseason tournament. Should be the top fourteen teams. You play in there, you get rewarded with wins. A couple of readers were suggesting: Do you reward the winning team with a trade exception of five million dollars, mm-hmm. or do you reward them with luxury tap- tax relief of ten million? I don't know why the players would care about that. To me, it's all about incentivizing the players. Sure. Getting them excited about it. Um, I, let's I, I, one one last thought though on the Chamberlain Cup side of it though. I, I think those teams do need to play though. I just don't know if it needs to be in, in a tournament cup format. I think just there needs to be a flexible part of the schedule where teams play games instead Why? of just taking a week off. Sure, yeah, because because then it's a bit of an unfair advantage in that case, or teams may want that time off. All right. Thanks for talking this out with me. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> All right, let's talk boxing. The much-anticipated Andy Ruiz-Anthony Joshua rematch is coming December 7th on DAZN. This is important. This is really important. This is an early fight because it's in Saudi Arabia. 2.30 Eastern, Saturday afternoon. Be ready. The first fight was awesome. We had Andy Ruiz on this podcast. It was a real-life Rocky story. Uh... Joshua's opponent dropped out after filling a drug test. Ruiz volunteered himself as the replacement. All of it happened one month before the fight. Didn't matter. 11 to 1 underdog. He knocked out Joshua in the seventh round. Became the new heavyweight champion. Now he is defending the title. You can watch it on the zone. It is available on all your devices. Make December 7th an epic sports day, college football championships, and stream Ruiz Joshua at the same time. What's better than that? Don't miss a second of the action. December 7th, 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific, only on DAZN. Not only the best schedule in boxing history, but the best value too. You get everything, every fight, original content, all live on demand for one low price. Just download the DAZN app to start watching. All right, let's bring in Kevin Clark to talk about this. All right, Clark is here. There's a big fight this weekend that I want to use a million-dollar pick. Should mention, million-dollar pick's red hot right now. Up one5 Six nine million, almost one point five seven million, one point six nine million. Uh, almost swept last week, and then the Pats fucked me. Had a chance to go perfect last week. I want to put Andy Ruiz in here in million dollar picks this week because I think he's going to win again. I think Joshua basically rolled over in that last fight. I don't think he has it. I think Ruiz is going to beat him again. What do you think? Great question. I am actually taking Ruiz as well. I think that because Joshua came in so hyped, I don't think it's it's really hard for fight fans to get the idea of Joshua before that fight out of our heads. Yeah, like he looked like he looked like he was one of the most famous athletes in the world. I mean, the, the the equivalent to me is if LSU right now before the playoff decided to schedule Memphis and Memphis beat them so badly that we wondered if LSU was ever good in the first place, right? That's how I feel about with Anthony Joshua, where Andy Ruiz so thoroughly dismantled him that I'm saying, wait, what did I just watch against when Joshua fought Joseph Parker and all these guys? Was was he ever good? Like, Of course he was, but the the destruction was such that now I question everything I've ever thought about Joshua. I think a lot of people are having that too. 
I was never a huge fan, so all it did was reinforce my questions. Well, I mean, it shows you how good Deontay Wilder is, I'll tell you that much. I mean, I just think that if if, if Anthony Joshua couldn't take those punches from Andrew Ruiz, Lord help him when he steps into the ring with Deontay Wilder's right hand. Yeah, and Deontay Wilder is like the Chiefs last year where you could be up 20 to 3. And then they just score three touchdowns in five yep. minutes. And you're like, fuck, we're losing. Yep. Like everyone's it's, like, oh, Deontay Water is not the great, that great of a boxer. Well, he has the most powerful right hand yeah. in the last like 25 years. So he's fine. Yeah. They were like, Ortiz won the first five yeah. rounds. It's yeah. like, well, then he got knocked yeah. out. Then so, he had no idea where he was. He had to be carried out of the ring. Uh-oh. So uh, I, I don't know the answer to this. A weird fight. It's in, it's in neither boxer's home country, it's in Saudi Arabia. Um, Joshua was smoking mares heading into the Ruiz fight for the most part and then got his ass kicked mm-hmm. and seemed fine with it after. And I really, think he, I think he had no idea where he was magnanimous. And there were all these rumors about he had tried to get out of the fight beforehand. Yeah. Who knows if all that's true? Um, I just think Ruiz is better. Yeah. And then there were the, not the rumors, the comments that he was relieved to have lost because of all the pressure. I just don't know. That's Some just, people aren't meant to be the heavyweight sound, champ. That doesn't sound great, to be honest with you. And the other thing, I always judge this stuff by when Ruiz, like the, the Rocky Balboa arc, yeah. how they're going to handle that. Most famously, Buster Douglas, where yeah. he beats Tyson and the next six months go off the rails mm-hmm. and then he gets knocked out by I've Holyfield. And it yeah. just was like, just wasn't prepared for all of it. I think Ruiz has, seems like he's got a really good head about this whole thing. I was impressed by him when he did my Well, the other thing that we learned about Ruiz... We had kind of a, once he won that fight, we look back on his career, he probably could have beaten Joseph Parker. And maybe he's just a better boxer than we thought. I think His physique killed him for how, what we thought of him. He was a late addition to that fight because yep. of the, the, the previous fighter uh, testing positive. And so I, I don't think we had enough time to actually look at the fight as, as an actual fight. It was more of a, look, Joshua was fighting in Madison Square Garden because he wanted to build his United States brand, all of this stuff, which is actually similar, something we talked about, to the re- Mike Tyson lost in Japan. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Lennox Lewis lost in South Africa? Somewhere Mark weird, Mark? yeah. So, something like that. Somewhere that wasn't the, the United Atypical. Kingdom or the United States. When boxers go abroad, sometimes weird things happen. And I thought that was interesting. And so I don't... That actually makes me nervous about... I feel really strongly about Ruiz, but the Saudi Arabia part makes me nervous. Well, Anthony Joshua is not from Saudi Arabia either. No, I know. But it's just... It's like when you go... It's like the London game. Yeah. Where the London yeah. game is just like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. One of these teams isn't going to show up. I don't know which one. So I don't, I don't know if that's the case for this, but I almost wish they were fighting in like the Staples Center. If it was Staples Center, I'd be like, Ruiz is winning. Yeah. This is happening. We'd be there. Oh, we would be there. We'd be super happy. Absolutely. I have news for you. We're going to Saudi Arabia right after this podcast. <laughs> Hop it on a plane. It's a, it's a brisk 12 and a half hours. We'll get there soon. So we agree. Ruiz plus 170. I was shocked that there, that the odds were this good. I looked at the knockout stuff for him, but I just like, to me, it's like, I just want to win. You start rooting for the knockout and then it I'll throws say you this. off. If it gets to the judges scorecards, I, I'm not <laughs> feeling not good great for about Ruiz. Ruiz. Yeah, true. All right. So Ruiz... Pencil that away. We're doing Ruiz plus 170. There's a couple awesome football games this week that I will not be betting on. Just wanted to mention the case for a couple teams. But again, I'm staying away. The Bills line is just, there is now a Lamar tax if you Mm -hmm. want to bet on Baltimore. The Baltimore should be favored by three. They're favored by six in Buffalo. It's absurd. 
And yet, I don't want to take Buffalo in the six because I'm afraid of Lamar. Vegas knows that. That's why they made the one So I talked to Robert Mays about this a little earlier today, and we both agreed on one thing, which is that Baltimore's blitzes and their defense and their aggressiveness, I feel like this could be a big, notable Josh Allen mistake game. Mm. I feel like we could see some some gifable Josh Allen moments. I, I think that the Bills are are really good. I think they're really well coached. And I Me think too. That, um, Josh Allen is better than we thought. I'm, I'm more in on them than I was a couple weeks ago. I, I, totally I think they've agree answered a lot of questions. I totally agree with you. But I do think there's the capability for Baltimore's defense to make Josh Allen look a little closer to the, the quarterback that we were used to last year. So I liked Buffalo in this game for about 10 minutes. I looked up the standings. Mm-hmm. A little stat. It's an advanced stat called points scored. <laughs> Don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. Football outsider guys aren't on to yeah. it yet. Don't talk about it with them. Baltimore has scored 406 points this season, mm-hmm. which leads the league. Buffalo has scored 257 <laughs> points. <laughs> so I'm looking at that. I'm going, ah, you take Buffalo and this other team scored, you know, 160% more points than they have. Just, I was out. Also, Baltimore because Baltimore really scores thirty. Can Baltimore get to? Can Buffalo get to yeah. thirty if Baltimore gets thirty? I don't think so. But I also think Baltimore's defense is really good. It isn't like Kansas City last year. The Marcus Peters thing would really be annoying if you're a Rams fan. I agree. That's one of those things where you're like, really, yeah, really. You see that Tampa game when he's like quitting on routes. Yeah, then maybe don't trade two first round picks for Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, when your team's going nowhere anyway. The, the Rams. We'll be running the Rams in about a year, is my guess. I think that the Chargers and the Rams moving into a new stadium, I don't think there's, it's not hearing a lot of buzz around Los Angeles from either of those teams. Well, it's, the thing I heard was the seat license thing is yeah. a real issue. Yep. Like a real issue. Yep. Like a real, 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 I real hate, issue. I'm, I'm like <laughs> panic time. Yep. So that was one I liked that I decided you to didn't buy. You didn't buy a seat license bill for both teams? Didn't buy a seat license. Didn't get Tough that. Tough one. Do you know anybody who's bought a seat license? I don't know one person. No, neither do I. Yeah. Saints, <laughs> Niners. The Saints, it's still under three. And one of my favorite gambling tricks is if it's a team that I like that's home, regardless of who they're playing, Um, if I'm getting less than three, awesome, fantastic. Something's holding me back with this game, Saints by two and a half against the Niners. And it's... I just don't love how Drew Brees looks. And I, I worry about him against an awesome defense. And I think the Niners have a really, really good defense. And it's just something about this game freaks me out. Do you like Drew Brees more than Jimmy Garoppolo? I feel about the same about both of them. Really? Okay. Yeah. I like Brees a little bit more right now. I like Michael Thomas a little the bit more. The experience. And the eye test and a couple other things. I think that I like Michael Thomas, who is just playing out of his mind this year. And I like home field advantage. So I would go with the Saints. So you like the Saints. I like the Saints. I'm staying away. I'm staying away from the whole, from everything. But if I had to bet, I would bet the Saints. I think it's a stay away. I agree. Then the other one is Chiefs-Pats, which is also a stay away. Because I don't know what I'm getting from the Patriots these days. Are you betting the Patriots for the rest of the season? I need to see a week where receivers get open. This is one of the things I'm looking for. (laughs) (laughs) More advanced stats from Bill Simmons. Even when... Guys open. Even when Brady's completing passes, yeah. there's somebody on the guy's back. Yeah. And that, ugh. All right, so we're staying away from all those. Here's what I like this week. First one, the Colts, who I jumped off of after Tad and their Ewing Theory prospects. And they've been really banged up. 
the Marlon Mack thing. As somebody who has him on a fantasy team who bet on the Colts over under for the wins this year, I've watched a lot of Colts. And Marlon Mack was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Really, really good football player. And I think they missed him. T.Y. Hilton was hurt. Didn't, wasn't able to really come back. Jacoby's playing on one leg. The league figured them out a little bit. And now everyone's like, well, the Colts are done. Now you have Tampa. They're playing great. Looking good. Well, what are they going to do about Jameis? The line is only three. This has all the makings of the Colts with their season on the line, beating Tampa as Jameis turns into Jameis again. And Bruce yep. Arians does some dumb stuff. And um, and Indy's winning by 10. And people are like, oh my God, maybe Indy's not dead. This, um, this feels like, against a really well-coached team, this feels like Jameis Winston just having two awful fumbles. You know, like we'd never, we're kind of like, it feels like a Tampa blows the game and Indianapolis is just like, all right, we'll take it. So I think Marlon Mack's going to play. We don't know yet. Part of the thing that sucks about taping this on a Thursday is we don't know, but it seems like he's going to play, which I think will really help them. So he had no interceptions against the Jaguars, Jameis Winston. Well, he had one drop that, or he had an interception that got overturned, which is before that he had six in two games. So I feel like there might be a return to form for old Jameis this weekend. I also both like and don't like the Colts defense. I think you can run on them. Yeah. I think it's a little harder to throw on them. They they kind of, a thing with Evans and Godwin, I feel like they could at least keep those guys a little bit in check. And I think they can control the ball. They'll get a couple turnovers. And I just like getting the points with them. So what I was thinking was, the plus three is minus 120. Yeah, I can buy the half point for minus 135 to plus three and a half. Parlay them with Minnesota. Minus 750 against Detroit. Mm. Do you see any scenario where Minnesota loses to Detroit? No, I do not. That parlay is now plus 116. Minnesota to win. Colts plus three and a half. Hmm. You like that? I think I do. I think I I like it too. I think I really like Minnesota. I just think Seattle's really good. Yeah. And I think that we, I think that that Monday night was just more about Seattle and Cook than got Minnesota. Hurt. Yeah. And Seattle figured out a way to run all the fucking hell over Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Detroit's not going to be doing that with Bo Scarborough. Sorry, Bo. <laughs> so anyway, mark that one down. Next yeah. one. I'm all in on Tennessee still. Yes. I think Vegas is still late on this. Right now they're minus three, even in Oakland. Oakland's look like shit the last two weeks. I just believe in Tennessee. I think they're a playoff team. I just saw Danny Heifetz yeah. o- over there, and he told me, the ringer's Danny Heifetz, he told me the Tennessee Titans are number one in the NFL in points per play since week seven. I believe it. They And they went, they scored zero points in week six. Yeah. I, the, the Titans are good. Ryan Tannehill, here's the thing about Ryan Tannehill. The whole thing, he was an above average quarterback in Miami. Right. He just was banged up all the time. He was With, hurt. And couldn't stay on teams. the field. Couldn't stay on the field. The, 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 the Dolphins wanted to do their rebuilding thing. I understand that. He was on bad teams. He had no supporting cast. Those drafts, you know about bad drafts. I mean, the Miami Dolphins had some bad, bad, bad drafts. Bad coaches. And some bad coaches. Joe Philbin. Can't believe Joe Philbin didn't maximize Ryan Joey Tannehill. Joey Phil, yeah. Joey Phil. And, uh, you know, when we, when, when we were talking about uh, Ron Rivera and the firing and Dave Tepper, and the last five new owners before David Tepper have all made terrible hires, including Joe Philbin. He's a type of hire that a new owner who has no idea what he's doing Makes sense, Stephen Ross did. Anyway, Ryan Tannehill, this is this is just great. I mean, like he looks like the long term answer there. What's funny about it is when they signed him, everyone 
who watches football every week like us was like, oh, he'll have that job by yeah. week six. Yeah. As long as he can stay healthy. He's even better than I remember him in Miami. And I, I like the team around him. I, Sal and I talked about it a little on Sunday night. It's a team that when something good happens, but you can see their sideline in the game, the entire sideline's yeah. locked in, jumping up with their fists up. And I think Vrabel's done a really good job. I wasn't 100% convinced on him, especially from a game management standpoint. But they've built like a really tough team. And the Henry stats are unbelievable. Unbelievable. The last 16 games. The last 16 so games. I look at, I look at Oakland. I, th- I just think they can run all over Oakland. Yeah. I Derek Henry is a legitimate elite running back. And that's just... I, Would you take him number one of all the running backs? Oof. Just right now, if I had to win one game right now, oh this moment. That's it. Just I think this he- moment. Healthy Dalvin Cook is quite good. Yeah, he is pretty good. He's amazing in video yeah. games. Yeah. In Madden? Yeah. Oh, my God. Ben loves Dalvin. My son loves Dalvin Cook and Madden because he runs those sideways yeah. routes where it's just like he's going full speed sideways. Yeah. Um, he's definitely up there, though. He's I don't believe in Oakland. I think... What were they outscored something like seventy-two to ten the last three games or something? Yeah, I don't. Oakland's strange. It's gone sideways for them. They have a bad defense. It's really all Jacobs. Teams have figured out the whole car thing. Also, next fifteenth uh, is their last game in Oakland. I think they're putting a lot of emphasis on that. I think that they're they're in that mode. Just win that game and we'll be fine. Well, the problem with this Tennessee game is Houston week fifteen, Houston week seventeen, mm-hmm. and this is a classic trap game. So I just want to acknowledge that. But I'm going to say I think Tennessee's really good. And I and they should take care of business. I love just giving three points. So mark that one down. Seahawks are even at the Rams. Here are the Rams' losses this year. Okay. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Seattle, Tampa Bay. Yeah. What do those five teams have in common? They're all going to be good teams that are in the playoffs. Um, here are their wins this year. Carolina by three. That weird New Orleans game when it was like everything turned on that stupid ref call. Cleveland by seven. Atlanta by set by 27. Cincinnati by 14. Bears by 10. Arizona by 27. They have not beaten anybody. When Ron Rivera got fired, I was thinking about this a little bit. The Carolina Panthers got to the Super Bowl, lost, thought about it for a number of years, and never got back anywhere close to where they were. Yeah. The Falcons still very spooked right. <laughs> from their 25-point yeah. um, uh, performance against 28-3, 25-point 20, uh, uh, blown lead. And the Rams look like they might be spooked as well. I don't think we give enough weight to how much it can ruin a franchise to get that close and, and not win the Super Bowl. Here's the thing that alarms me about them. They've rolled over in a couple games. Yeah. It's Baltimore, bad. they rolled over. I thought San Francisco, they rolled over. And that game, they it was like tied at halftime. And as that game went along, they were like, all right. And then you, you guys take it. We don't want it. And I just don't think the character is there with the team collectively this year. Well, I think that Belichick and Vic Fangio and Matt Patricia and all those guys showed the way to stop them. Flexible defenses, waiting, taking away Goff's audible game by waiting until the last second, ignoring the window dressing. So much of the Rams' offense last year was based upon this jet motion stuff. And essentially, teams are just ignoring it and saying, you can do all the motion you want. We're just going to do whatever. They used to play this early in the season. They were playing the 6-1 against the Rams, not even having to do that anymore. And they're still beating the Rams. I just think it's a weird season for them. I think I think enough of Sean McVay to where he'll come up with something new. But right now, what Sean McVay has has been solved, and there's just nothing behind it. I like Seattle here. And then you look at 
Niners 10 and 2, Seahawks 10 and 2, Rams 7 and 5, still hanging on to a, the potential of a wild card. But the Niners playing in New Orleans, Seahawks win this game, Niners lose in New Orleans. All of a sudden, they're in the catbird seat and right. they're the potential one seat. I love when there's two great teams in one division and only one of them can get the bye. This happened last year. Yeah. The Chargers ended up not being great, but the Chargers could have gotten the bye late in the season against right. that Chiefs game. Then that was that weird game at the end of the season. But I love when that happens and it makes things so much more dramatic because the Niners should not be playing a wild card weekend, but it looks like they are. The other thing I love about the Seahawks. They know exactly who they are. They're really good in close games. Mm -hmm. The Penny thing I did not expect because he looked like a bust last year. He did. But now they they have this double barrel attack um, where it doesn't seem like it matters who's in. And Penny can make plays a little bit. Like he has a little more breakaway potential than Carson does, but both of them are good. Metcalf was a great pick. Mm -hmm. Um, they They haven't missed Baldwin like I thought they would. They're just good. And I, and I would be really surprised if they lost to the Rams. And I think the Rams are a team that's kind of dying to tap out. Yeah. Just my gut feeling. Um, so I like the Seahawks even. Last game I want to mention, the return of Eli. I love Should we this. take a break before we talk I about this? I love this. Take a break, Kyle. Hey, it's holiday time. Everyone loves a gift they can feel good in and good about. All birds, stylish, comfortable, sustainable. You can't go wrong. Streamlined, design, versatile. You know you look great anytime you lace them up. Wide range of colors inspired by nature. Variety of silhouettes keep you looking your best in whatever situation you find yourself in this holiday season. Ladies, the tree breezers are your new go-to flats. They'll have you feeling like the bell of the ball at any holiday party. The wool runners, they'll help you stay warm. The mizzle collection, complete with puddle guard, will help you stay prepared through winter's unpredictable weather. Uh, I love Allbirds because... First of all, they feel good. Second of all, they come up with these awesome names that sound like indie bands. Tree Breezers, Wool Runners, Mizzle Collection, Puddle Guard. What's better than that? Allbirds, the perfect gift to make the holidays a little less uncomfortable for everyone on your list. Give the gift of comfort this holiday season or get a pair for yourself at allbirds.com. Just when we thought we were out, he pulled us back in. Eli Manning. Um, Against a team in crisis. The Philadelphia Eagles. A team that Fitzmagic Fitz lit up. <laughs> lit up. Destroyed. <laughs> they were outcoached and outplayed. Did you see if Ryan Fitzpatrick has now thrown a touchdown against the Eagles with seven different franchises? Seriously? Yes. Wow. That's a record. Well, he showed that they have real quarterback issues that unfortunately my Patriots couldn't exploit because nobody can get open. <laughs> The Giants are plus 300 uh-huh. to win the game. The over-under of this game is 46 and a half. And if you parlay those two things, it's plus 759. I call it the Eagles fans can't fucking believe they their season is over because of Eli Manning parlay. I don't know if I want to do it. I just wanted to throw it out there. I think nine's a little high for this one. I think it could be a little closer. I think the Eagles will win this game, but I think it's going to be close. So you don't like the plus 300? I think that's a little... It's a, it's a little, little ambitious. I do like... The Giants are terrible. I do like the idea of Eli Manning just having a nice, dignified two-touchdown game against the Philadelphia Eagles. The other and way to go 24, is... 24-28. You go like the minus 440 with the under 46. I'm not going to do this game because I don't want to bet on Eli Manning or root for him. I would rather he threw seven picks. It would be much more enjoyable. Um, the other interesting part is Carson... This is fantasy 
football playoffs. Yeah. Eli's the league winner? Is Eli somebody you pick up for a week? Are you going to do it? No. Who's your quarterback? I have Lamar Jackson. Oh, okay. My, I think you're my set. My life's made. You're set. I'm going against somebody who had a choice between Josh Allen against Baltimore Ooh. or Carson Wentz on Monday night. And, and it looks like he picked Josh Allen. That's a good idea, I think. Wait, I have Baker. What do I do? Baker against uh, Baker. Who's your other choice? It's Baker. It's a two Just quarterback league. I have Tom uh, Brady and then it's up, Baker. Pick up Eli Manning. Pick up Eli Manning, right? <laughs> Holy shit. I'm pick up Eli. It. I'm going to do it. Do it right now. All right, Kevin Clark. Here's what I have. Million Let's dollar roll. picks after we just talked this out. Uh, don't call me Johnny Ruiz. Andy Ruiz. Yes. Plus 170 in the Joshua rematch in Saudi Arabia. Got to get think, a knockout, though. I think Ruiz wins. Yeah. Can't go to the cards. <laughs> Don't go to the cards, Ruiz. I will go $300,000. Ruiz plus oh. 170. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Minnesota minus 750 just to beat Detroit. Parlayed. We're buying a half point with the Colts. Colts plus three and a half mm-hmm. at Tampa Bay. That parlay is plus 116. I am throwing $350,000 on that. Okay. Tennessee Titans, our Titans, the Ringers Titans. We've all embraced the Titans. Minus three, even in Oakland. I'm throwing 400K on that. Okay. And last but not least, the Seattle Seahawks. Even odds against the we can't sell any seat licenses and we're ready for the season end. Los Angeles, don't call us the St. Louis Rams. 400K, even Seattle. You like those? I love them. What's your favorite one? Seahawks. Okay. I think there the Rams go. might stink. All right. We are up $1.569 million for the year. Hopefully we can add even more to that. Kevin Clark, thanks for coming on. Anytime. All right. Mallory is coming in a second. But first, let's talk about the FanDuel Sportsbook app, the premier sports betting app for a reason. They made it easy to sign up and deposit. They've got tons of betting markets. And unlike offshore sportsbooks, where you're lucky to get your winnings at all, FanDuel processes your withdrawals quickly and gets your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Right now, it's only available in New Jersey, Indiana, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania. So if you're not in one of those states, that's all been pretty tough to hear, I'm sure. But I think they're going to be in more states soon. Um, This next part is even tougher, though. Right now, new FanDuel Sportsbook users can get their first bet risk-free by signing up with promo code BS. Just place any bet on any market. FanDuel will refund you up to $500 in site credit if you don't win. Remember... Be sure to use promo code BS so they know who sent you. And now the legal stuff must be 21 plus and physically present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia. Site credit, non-withdrawable, expires 14 days after receipt. Terms apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you're in West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, last but not least, we haven't had her on in a couple weeks, right? I think we just missed the one. We missed one? The holiday. Hi, Mallory. Good old Thanksgiving. Hello. Good to have you back. Great to be here. I hope with you, you ate enough at Thanksgiving. It's uh, the highest of holy days in my mind, in my home. Turkey, football, pie. What more could you want? The Irishman? I know what more you could want. <laughs> sweet potato casserole with, with sweet Oof. pecans on the top. Oh, wonderful. How good was that, Kyle? That was awesome. That I think that's great. my single favorite thing to eat on Thanksgiving. Really? I really enjoy it the most. Interesting. I could just eat it and eat it until I throw up like a duck. Oh, my goodness. What do you have for most intriguing this week? We're going four this week, not five. Keeping it tight this week. Start off with some college football for you. And number four, we're heading into championship weekend. It's one of the biggest moments in the sport of the year. I watched. You'd be proud of me. I watched. You watched the Iron Bowl. 
And I, I saw some Ohio State, Michigan. Okay. What do yeah. you think? It was Ohio State's going to win the title. I I don't even follow college football, <laughs> and I know that. They They're have very the good. They have the best line on each side. That always wins. They're very good. They're going to dominate whoever they play. Mark it down. Bill Simmons, non-college football fan. I love Knows it. that Ohio State's going to win the title. They are very good. They're probably going to be the number one seed, barring a loss to Wisconsin Nobody's in the Big Ten title them. game. Well, we'll see. All right, we'll see. The, the, the college football playoff can be interesting. You never know. But this weekend, the key thing heading into this weekend, really, barring one of the top three teams, Ohio State, LSU, or Clemson, losing. Yeah. The question is, who gets the four seed? And... It really is a question this year, and it's pretty fun. We have Georgia currently sitting at four, but playing LSU. So if Georgia wins, Georgia wins the SEC title game, I think both of those teams get in. Yeah. And then I think what happens is we head into a very, very high fever pitch level of we need to expand to eight teams because... No, we don't. We do. No, nah, well, we, we do. We, we really can save don't. that for another week, but we, we do. We really don't. We really do. Nah, we're fine. Oh, we really do. We're fine. You should have a system where every conference's champ at a minimum can get nah, in. Nah, we're good. Okay. Well, agree to disagree. We'll agree to disagree. <laughs> we're good. We're good and with then the four. After Georgia, you've got Utah, number five currently, and Oklahoma, number six currently, both playing in their conference title games. Utah's going to play Oregon and. NFL draft darling or NFL draft stay away because he's too tall, depending on whether you're talking to Robert Mays on a given day, Justin Herbert, they're playing Oregon. Oklahoma's playing Baylor. Baylor's the other team here that's in the mix. The winner of the Big 12 game, the Big 12 champ, has a real shot of jumping Utah. Again, this is if Georgia loses. And then we're going to get into some controversy around brand names and brand recognition and whether you can make the playoff if you don't have it if Utah gets jumped, because Utah is ahead of Oklahoma now. So this is a question. thing to watch. Utah has a football team? Utah has an 11-1 and football team, an excellent really? football team. I just thought they had basketball. Pac-12, Kyle Whittenham running a great program there. What are the greatest Utah football moments of all time? Do you remember the, um, the, the, the dropping the ball right before the touchdown a few years ago? Vaguely. Well, that was that was a bad moment. Do they pour milk on their moment. coach when they win? What happens? Is Gatorade? They, they can't do that. Come on. Okay, so you're is not it full milk or two percent. You're, you're not in on Utah. You're rooting for Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. That's my takeaway yeah, here. I want Lincoln Riley, the next Patriots coach. This so that was what I was going to say next. This is another thing to watch. Of course, is depending on what happens with Oklahoma, does that have any bearing not only on Jalen Hurts's NFL draft stock, but on the Lincoln Riley coaching sweepstakes? This was a thing last year. He didn't end up leaving. You have to assume that he's going to be the top target again. Whether that means he'll leave or not is a, certainly an open question. But the prospect of a couple jobs that would be most intriguing to him, one, Cleveland, of course, because he was Baker Mayfield's coach at Oklahoma. If they move on from Cleveland's like Freddie buying Stokes. a haunted house. It's like, oh, there's only been eight deaths in this house. It's for sale. <laughs> Want to move in? Maybe he just no, needs I to have bring a- in some sage. I have the team for him. I have another Dallas prediction. Cowboys. Ohio? No. Ohio, yes. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> yes. That's I have a better prediction. team. Okay. I have a stealth team. Carolina. At that owner, yeah. Tepper. Mm-hmm. You ever read about that dude? Sure. He's one of those. He's going to blow it up in a way like when John Henry took over the Red Sox and the first thing he did was try to go get Billy Bean which was the end of Moneyball, which is a great movie. John Henry's like, let's just get all the best people. What are we doing? Right. 
I think he's going to be like that. Who's the best coach? Lincoln Riley. So reading Tepper's statements and quotes this week after the Ron Rivera firing. Now I admit I'm in the Ravens bubble, of course. But that caveat aside, I read that statement as we're trying to do what the Ravens did. Yes. Now, of course, the Ravens didn't make a coaching change. Harbaugh stayed, but he stayed because he committed to Lamar and to that vision of building around Lamar. That statement from the Carolina organization boiled down to me to last year, the trend that we saw sweeping the NFL was everybody was looking for their Sean McVay. This year, the trend is going to be everybody's looking to do what the Ravens did, which is top down all in on the same idea, everybody on the same page, no room for any kind of dissent or competing vision. You all have to be in it together. If you're not in, you're out. And also the the line that he had that was that basically a, like- How is that a trend? Well, but the line that Isn't he that had that any was- any business works? Well, I don't know. I mean, coaches are coaches and GMs always on the same page? Certainly not. Know. Isn't that the, how, how the Patriots won the last- 20 years was same, was that exact thing. Now you're taking credit for that with the Ravens. The GM are the same person. You're 10 and one with the Ravens. <laughs> now you're like, we've created thing. this new trend. No, it's not. The Everyone's same thing. in the organization. No, settle no, no, down. No, 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 you need no. to settle down with the Ravens. It's not the same thing. The Patriots Welcome to where are the Patriots have been for 20 years. The Patriots are structured differently. The Texans are accidentally backing their way into attempting to do what the Patriots are doing and they're doing a bad job of it. Right. But the other thing in the, in the Tepper statement was basically that idea of, to, to paraphrase, old school toughness with new wave analytics first movement. And that's that specifically is the thing that I think is is the Ravens ethos that people are going to try to replicate. Be able to play smash mouth, run it down your throat football, still have, I mean, it took, you know, a handful of games into the season to get there, but still have defense be a key fundamental part of your identity, but also make your decisions based on what the numbers are telling you. The Ravens are an analytically driven franchise. And I think other teams, you know, it's happening. The question for years has been, when are we going to see football catch up with the other sports? And it's happening now. Wasn't that what Tepper did with the hedge funds and stuff? Like he was, everyone said he was always like the best hedge fund guy. So here you go. Lincoln Riley for lots of money. Do you think Lincoln Riley? Mark my two predictions down, Kyle. Ohio State's going to win the title. Got it. Lincoln Riley to Carolina. Does Lincoln Riley have Cam Newton as his quarterback in Carolina? Why wouldn't you have Cam yeah. Newton? That would be fun. I would love to see that. Isn't Cam Newton like less than 30? Well, it's just a question of the injuries, right? Yeah, but he was playing hurt for two years. Now he's got a year off. Yeah, hopefully he'll come back healthy, vibrant. Bye, Kyle Allen. We enjoyed our few weeks with you. Thanks, Kyle. I, I am happy that some of the backups are now back with us again. You know, having Minshew Mania... Right. <laughs> round two is a real delight. <laughs> I obviously loathe and abhor everything about the Steelers, but the duck the duck thing is very fun, you know? I think, ja- I think pound for pound, Jacksonville has been the dumbest team this year. It's Everything they've done, I've disagreed with, starting with like, why do you have Nick Foles and Leonard Fournette on the same team? Why are you bringing Nick Foles back when he has a broken collarbone and he's not 100% healthy? And now he's back and he's terrible. Now he has no trade value whatsoever. Like none of this makes sense. I don't know. what. And why would you trade Jalen Ramsey just because he was getting pissy? Well, because he didn't want to play for the team anymore. He's your best player. Player empowerment, man. That's the era that we're in in sports. Well, the thing is that trade might actually work because maybe those Rams picks aren't that bad. Those, I mean, they might, they might actually. How about Jalen Ramsey and Marcus Peters going at it in the tunnel after the Ravens-Rams game? That Did was that really, happen? That was really something, yeah. What were they? What were they doing? Well, you know, it's like basically they old boyfriend, that, new boyfriend. Yeah, stuff? that roster spot is essentially the one that Peters vacated for Ramsey and 
you know, Marcus Peters has been doing all right for the Ravens. I'll just leave it at that. I hope you keep trusting him. So you're saying Ohio State for the title. Who do you think is, is going to get that force by? You just don't care. You think it's going to be Oklahoma. Oklahoma beats Baylor in the Big 12 title game. Oklahoma gets in. Can I ask you this? Yeah. Who's who's the most fun team to get the force by? I'll root for that team. I think Oklahoma would be really fun. Yeah. I, I think Utah would be fun if you love to watch good football. It's obviously less energizing in terms of just the brand name. But I, I also do think that college football is a such a unique and interesting proposition because on the one hand, when the brand names and the blue bloods are in on the big stage, the sport is just fundamentally a more interesting proposition. But also what makes it so fun is that every now and then you get that disruptor. You get that TCU, that Boise State. You get OSU versus Utah and it's just weird. Utah's a really good team. Utah has been annihilating the competition this okay. year. So I, I think Utah. that they would they would do well, certainly. I I'm I'm curious to see the Lincoln Riley Jalen Hurts CeeDee Lamb show in the playoff for Oklahoma. I think that would be really, really fun. I'm also just What bowl game is the coward Nick Saban going to? Don't worry about Alabama. You don't you have the luxury now of not thinking about Alabama. They're not gonna make the playoff. They're out of it. They'll be in a New Year's six bowl game. And they won't care about that because they've been in the playoff every year until now. And it's a, a, a just a co- colossal disappointment, obviously. Also, too, I had a devastating injury. It was a really tough season. Maybe you don't he, get to make fun of it. Maybe Nick Saban should go to the Cowboys. I get to make fun of whatever I want to make fun of. Nick Saban. Go back to the NFL, Nick Saban. Challenge yourself. And then Dabo. Dabo leaves Clemson, takes over at Alabama. What do you think about that? Dabo goes home to Bama. I do like Dabo. I like how he's feisty. How do you feel about Dabo's? Have you been Have you been paying attention at all to Dabo's Nobody Believes in Us thing? Yeah, I love it. It reminds me so much in such a vile, nauseating way of the Patriots being like, nobody believes in us. Like right now? It's, what are you talking about? Nobody believes in We're us. We're doing, you know, Jason and I are doing Binge Mode Star Wars right now. And one of the things that we've been having a lot of fun with is this idea that George Lucas puts out there that, you know, when people first saw Yoda, when people first saw R2-D2, these beloved things, they hated it. This is this like, yeah, <laughs> this thing that George Lucas says. So it's become this bit, oh, this thing you love, they hated it. And Dabo, somebody tweeted this at us, Dabo really bringing the George Lucas energy. They hated Clemson. They hated it. No, they didn't. What, you're, what are you talking about? You're undefeated. You're going to be in the playoff. Everybody loves Trevor Lawrence. Everybody loves Clemson. He's a smart man. What do you got for oh, number Dabo. three? Number three. I know you're talking about football and a lot of sports and the rest of the pod. So I wanted to give you one little pop culture nugget here. Yeah. Bill, it's a big weekend for us as CODs, children of divorce, because Marriage Story is coming to Netflix. Yes. (laughs) Do you watch it with your spouse or do you solo it first for a test run? So this is one of those because I've been battling this myself. I'm, I have a really great marriage. I don't know if I want to, I don't know. I've consulted many parties uh, who have seen the movie. They're people who screened it for, you know, their media privileges, people who saw it in theaters. And I have said to my husband, Adam, whom I love, uh, that I don't think that we should watch the film together, that I don't think it would be advisable uh, or even sensible. Yeah. And everybody says, it's going to be fine. Watch it together. If you're in the right headspace, it can be affirming instead of devastating. But I don't know. I guess there's only one way to find out. <laughs> this, we'll talk about it next week on the, the podcast. I'll watch it with my wife. Remember Revolutionary Road was a tough one. Yes, yes. That was one of those where you're kind of side-eyeing whoever you're with about halfway through, like, ah. Oh. Now, we have both survived watching The Affair with our partners. So if you can get through that, you can get through anything, you know? No, the toughest one ever was Tell Me You Love Me. Oh, that was rough. 
Yeah, that's a tough one. That was one of those. If, <laughs> if your relationship is airtight, you're just questioning everything. That's a bad one. I can't wait to watch this movie. It sounds like it's a front runner for Best Picture for a lot of the awards. Scar Joe crushing it. Adam Driver is one of my favorite actors in the world. And you know, like he's going to win the Oscar. He's elite. You know how I feel about Scar Joe. I mean, you know how I feel about Adam Driver. Adam Driver's season right now. From he, Marriage Story to the report to Kylo Ren. What can he do? When are you doing Hottest Take, just named as one of uh, Vulture's 10 That's new right. podcasts today? When are you doing Hottest Take about girls only succeeded because of Adam Driver? This is your take and this is Juliet's take. So I will not be Maybe Juliet and I will do that for it. you. I'll, I'll happily field it for It's you. a very hot take. Very pro Adam you Driver. You didn't watch The Affair though. You lied to me. You said you'd watch it over Thanksgiving. I've watched every season of The Affair until this season of The Affair. You know, I was even mailing you screenshots and you still wouldn't watch. They made me laugh every time though. I'll catch up one of these days. Now I'm really excited for next week's pod when we talk about uh, Marriage Story. <laughs> Maybe know, that should just be the entire, the entire most listen, intriguing. It might finally be time for the Kramer versus Kramer rewatchables. Oh, I have that. It's on the 2020 yeah. schedule. It's like we're, we're going to be in the Kramer versus Kramer headspace. This is the comp that everybody's making the divorce movie pantheon. Can Marriage Story live up to the bar that Kramer versus Kramer established? One pint of chocolate chip ice cream and one gallon of tears at a time. It's our best chance for the two of us to both cry during the same podcast. I would for sure cry. I would be a wreck. If I started getting emotional about my whole Kramer versus Kramer story, it's a mortal lock that you'll cry. Oh, I, I'm crying, almost crying right now just thinking about it. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when I came back from Grantland after the three-week suspension? Yes. And Vividly. I met with everybody in the room and I, and I was so upset I couldn't talk. I do. And I looked up at you and you were like, <laughs> you were just a quivering mess. And I was like, I'm not going to look at her again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell yeah. that. I'll tell that story in the oral history. That was Seventy a years from moment. now, it was great. A beautiful moment. It's great. Great time there. What do you have for number two? <laughs> <laughs> number two, the jettisoned item this week. By the way, just so you know, was hot seat watch. Well, I'll keep it in the back of our minds. We'll come back to it next week. Number two, the a AFC playoff QB showdown preview. We've got. I know you talked about. You're talking about. Patriots a lot already today, so we can keep that quick. But we've got Brady Mahomes, which is huge. And we've got the next wave. Lamar versus Josh Allen, Ravens, Bills. These are two massive games in the AFC. Seedings on the line. The resurgent Josh Allen. Or surgeon, because he's not even resurging. He's just surgeon. Playing great. Playing great. We Kevin and I talked about it right before you came on. The Ravens are favored by six. And I was saying that there's now a three-point Lamar tax with all of these games because yes. nobody wants to bet against Lamar. It's not fun to bet against Lamar. Everyone's afraid of Lamar, the ceiling of the Ravens, all that stuff. And the Bills, who are a really good team, who mm -hmm. kicked Dallas's ass on Thanksgiving, are getting six at home. But it makes sense. I don't want to take Buffalo. Here's why, where I am with this. I mean, It's possible I've never felt better about a Ravens team. Mm. I'd also be okay with a loss here. Because I think it's similar to me to an elite college basketball team heading into the tournament. You're not going to win every single game. You got to drop one at some point. The Ravens have won eight games in a row. This is 2007 Pats when we, we right. should have, I wish we had lost the Baltimore game. Exactly. I think we would have won the Super Bowl. Exactly. So I started to think about this last week with the Niners game, mostly as an attempt to rationalize a potential loss to myself in advance. And now I'm just shifting that to this game. 
I don't want to lose to the Jets next week because it would be embarrassing. Sorry, Sean, but it would be. And obviously, I don't want to lose division games to the Browns or Steelers. I don't want to lose to the Steelers in the final week of the regular season and have that be why they make the playoffs and then set up a potential showdown of division rivals in the postseason. So this is the game. If it if it has to happen, and maybe it doesn't. But if it has to happen, this is the game. However, you some positive milestones coming no matter what. Lamar going to break Vic's rushing record this week. I'm not sure if you've ever heard anybody. You're not allowed Lamar, to talk about Michael Lamar Vic. this week. No, we, we're not jinxing him this week because I need him for my fantasy playoffs. Yeah. Okay. So Lamar, I hope he does okay. I, I hope that that scrappy kid from Louisville. I hope I hope he makes it. Can can we attack Steelers fans for one second? <laughs> I would be delighted. It would be an honor and a privilege. Have you talked to any Steelers fans lately? Yeah, we have an unconscionable amount of them on our staff. You ever had a conversation with Ben Glixman or Pat Muldowney or Corey or Cram? Yeah. The whole thing they're doing now of like, it's just an honor and a privilege the way this worked out. I can't stand it. It's And it's like they've reached some state of higher being as football fans because this ragtag group of kids without Antonio Brown and Roethlisberger and, uh, and Le'Veon Bell and they just kept it together and it's like, all right, you're, you're, what are they, seven and five? They are seven and five. All right, you're seven and five. Settle down. Beat somebody good. Beat a good team. It's very, it's very. Have they beaten a good team? Um, sure. Let's see. Let's go through their wins here. They've beaten Bengals. That's not a good team. The Great. Chargers, they're obviously a debacle. Yeah. The Dolphins, mm. horrendous. Colts are good. Yeah, that's they beat a good the Colts one. and the Rams. And then one for two. the Bengals and the Browns again. Yeah. So there are a couple decent ones there. Here's the thing. Soft wins. But everybody has soft wins this year because there are a lot of really bad teams. This is why I bring this up, though. I think the Steelers are the good bad team this year. I think they beat the other bad teams. Yeah. I don't think they're a good team. They have Duck Hodges as their quarterback. With that said, I won money on them last week. I appreciate what's going on. I just settle down, Steelers fans. Just in general, settle down. You're going to lose in your division now for the next 12 years. You should be more focused (laughs) on that. From your you mouth to God's ears. The, the, <sighs> the best new quarterback um, in a long time, which is, I can't believe we're even saying that because Mahomes came in the league last year. But like, you should just, all you should be doing is being like, I can't believe how fucked we are. We're in Lamar's division. And it's like, oh man, what a rush this has been. It's been great. It's like, yeah, Lamar's in your division. You are fucked. <laughs> That's my speech well, to Steelers fans. I got to say, I, for the first time in the history of us podcasting together, I am in complete agreement with oh, you, thank sir. You. It's wonderful to hear. Thank you. Uh, the Steelers thing is just performative horseshit, and it's very <laughs> disingenuous, and I hope that they lose every game that they ever play for the rest of time. That's my official stance on the matter. Yeah. I don't want to see the Steelers in the playoffs. I really don't. I, I'm, I actually want to see them in the playoffs. I don't. Because <gasps> oh. it would be fun to always see the Steelers lose in the playoffs. I don't know. I The thing is, when you have a season like that, whether you're the good, bad team or not, at a certain point, the, the I don't want all the momentum isn't real heads coming at me, but the momentum carries you to a certain place. It starts to feel like a miracle season. All the stuff that you're currently citing that the Steelers fans are saying becomes a thing that the team internalizes and absorbs. And that in, spo- that in sports can carry you a long way. And again, the division rivalry factor, I just don't want the Ravens to have to, to play the Steelers. For and they've been very well coached. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great it's a really good Mike Tomlin here because I have yeah. I've kind of battled back and forth on him and even opening night he was awful against Patriots. They did a good job. I, I love the way I've talked about it, but I love the way he handled the quarterback situational thing. They're what do you got for number a one? String quarterback, it's incredible. 
number one, we just we switch over to the NFC here because it's a massive weekend for the pecking order. We got Dallas, Chicago, Niners, Saints, Seahawks, Rams, Giants, Eagles. And I mentioned Giants, Eagles just because not only of the delightful factor of having Eli Manning back in our life, obviously the Giants are not going to be in the playoffs, but that really feels like and we, I feel like we've been saying this for a month straight now and, and we'll continue to say it for a couple more weeks, but this does actually feel like the specific final nail for the, the Eagles if they drop this game on Monday Night Football to Eli. That's it. You like can't show your face again after that if it happens. Plus 759. E- Eli in the over to win. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. If the Giants win 47 or more points. I'm happy for Eli that he's getting this little bit of a farewell tour moment. I think that's great. It's lovely that that's happening. The Eagles absolutely have to win this game. You cannot have another moment where Doug Peterson has to go out and give this week's version of, yeah, but the Dolphins are a good team. You just can't have it. Right. You absolutely cannot have it. And then, you know, Dallas, on the one hand, can probably keep counting on the Eagles fucking up. But that's not actually a strategy for success at a certain point. You need to take care of business on your own. So they have to beat the Bears. They have to. You're running out of time. There are only three games left after this week. And then the Niners-Seahawks, who's going to end up winning that division and who is going to end up in the wild card, I think, is one of the more fascinating seeding situations to watch in, in all of the NFL And right whether now. those are just the two best teams. That's and it doesn't thing. matter, they're going to play each other at some point. But the fact that the potential second best team, and I, I do think the Saints are, are in that conversation certainly as well, but the fact that the potential second best team in the NFC might end up having to play the wild card slate is that's a big deal, as you know, because the Patriots might have to play the wild card slate if the Bills take the division. Why are you smiling like that? Because <laughs> it's a delightful the Bills prospect lose for me to week. think about. We'll see. You never know. I don't like to get cocky where the Ravens are concerned. Nothing. I take nothing for granted. You know, nothing. I I saw some. I saw some dents in Lamar's armor last week. Come on, give me a break. We're super encouraging. It was pouring. Missed some passes. Mm, receivers dropped some passes. Also, Lamar, every quarterback Lamar in misses cold some weather. Passes. I don't know. This is ridiculous. Unfortunately, they play play football in cold weather. Man, to Tom Brady at 42. I don't know. Well, Tom Brady's won a lot of games in cold weather. <laughs> when receivers who can get open. Uh, yeah, Lamar, cold weather. I don't know. Come on. Prove it I to know me. you don't mean this. Prove it to me. And it's okay because I know it's a defense mechanism for processing your own grief because the Patriots dynasty, one of the most important defining relationships great. in your entire life. Awesome run. You're starting to think about the end. I, can it's I, 40% can I, of my life. Can I drop a theory on you? Yeah. I, this is, this is, I'm looking inward at yeah. you. Yeah. This is why you didn't like the Irishman. This is why you think the Irishman. I did was like too the long. Irishman. I just thought it was too long. I liked it though. I was Here's glad I why. watched it. It made you think about mortality, made you think about things ending. And even if you're not able to admit it to yourself subconsciously, it made you think about Tom Brady and the <laughs> Patriots. And you're not ready for that. When I sit with De Niro sitting in the room at the end, you're not ready for it. I'm just looking at, I'm just staring at a half empty door. You're looking at the waiting six for Stidham to walk through it. New hair on Tom Brady's <laughs> head, and you can't help but think that's the same height as the platform shoes that De Niro's wearing on set. All of the connections are there. Mm. Yeah, it's not the worst theory in the world. <laughs> Kyle, I'm going to give the Irishman another chance. I thought the Irishman was really good, and I thought it should have been eight hours. That's my take. The Irishman is too short. It's my take. I mean it. I'm, I'm totally serious. This is not a bit. The Irishman was not long enough. Yeah, it was too short. Okay. Mallory, as always, thanks for coming <laughs> on. 
I mean, this podcast was two hours long. I guess I should have complained about the Irishman. There you go. Uh, thanks for coming on as always. Thanks for having great me. Great job at the website. It's a really good website. And I like reading it. TheRinger.com, great website. It's very special. Check it out, everyone. Great pieces on the site right now. Make sure you watch Dear Baby Yoda on the Ringer YouTube channel if oh you God, haven't yet. Smash it. Oh my God, the sensation that's sweeping the nation. <laughs> Your son, Isaac, the voice of an angel. He's he's a marvel. Are we not doing a third hour now on Baby Yoda? No? Kyle and I are going to sidebar on Baby Yoda instead, I guess. That was, Kyle said it was one of his favorite pieces of Ringer content ever. Oh, yeah. Baby Yoda is he an absolute revelation. Uh, Mallory, a pleasure. Great to be here with you. All right, thanks to State Farm. Thanks to the Kevins and Mallory. Thanks to Allbirds, stylish, comfortable, sustainable. They come in a wide range of colors inspired by nature. A variety of silhouettes to keep you looking your best in whatever situation you find yourself in this holiday season. Allbirds, the perfect gift to make the holidays a little less uncomfortable for everyone on your list. Give the gift of comfort this holiday season or get a pair for yourself at allbirds.com. Also, I encourage you to check out Norton's Secure VPN. They use bank-grade encryption to help secure your connections and block cyber criminals from seeing what you're doing. It also masks your online activities and location with the no-log VPN, making your online activity truly private. And if you're shopping online this holiday season, don't give an extra gift to cyber criminals. Get Norton Secure VPN for as low as $3.33 a month for the first year with the annual subscription. Go to norton.com slash VPN Simmons. Terms apply. We will see you Sunday night here on the BS Pod.